0: sports talk daily with andrew hustler patterson and michael remus
1: happy new year everybody and welcome to 2022 and our first edition of winnipeg sports talk daily of the new year i know many of you people thought maybe we'd take today off hell no we're coming in hot to 2022 big jets overtime win yesterday in vegas after the team finally got back on the ice after two weeks off We've got lots to get to, as well as a busy weekend NFL playoff picture. Much clearer right now. The Antonio Brown Circus and, um, unfortunately, more COVID positives in the National Hockey League, which we will get to throughout the program. Um, coming up today, Amber Balkan, Winnipeg NASCAR racers joining us. Amber's got a big, exciting announcement about the upcoming season. We'll have Amber pop on later on in the program. But before that, we will check in with our good friend jeff hamilton who will be our first guest of 2022 and then a little bit later on sean reynolds of sportsnet and kenny and rennie with his thoughts on the jets after big uh, win last night that was quite the roller coaster um listen before we get to it and uh, welcome michael remus in do want to thank all of our sponsors With us all through 2021 and with us into the new year of 2022. Of course, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug, the great people over at Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and Cool Bet Canada. Let's get it going. A big shout out to everyone that's joining us on this day off. Hope you had a great New Year's weekend and you're extending the weekend a little longer with friends and family great to see everyone on youtube shout out to everyone listening to our first episode of the year on podcast and let's welcome in the brains of the operation
2: my guy michael remus remo happy new year how are you happy new year huss uh feeling good start off the new year organized uh my office here uh we had uh purchased some equipment that i just kept i'm the guy i keep all the boxes lying around and started to get a bit unsaley so i had to clean that up. I uh, had a bit of a furnace issue uh, last night oh, or sa- Saturday night. I mean minus 40. You don't want to be having furnace issues. Started getting really cold in my house. Thankfully uh, got that that fixed up. So, great start to 2022. Finally, do you remember I thought the Jets just practiced, but they actually play games and it was great. To, I almost forgot that they they have games. It had been so long, but great to have a game uh yesterday you know maybe it wasn't the way you wanted them you know you had to draw it up but hey two points is two points and uh great hey another great start to 2022 happy to be here
1: you know what hey um that is a big two points for the winnipeg jets and i think anyone that watched that first period um was uh kind of wondering if this was going to be a, a terrible start to the new year. But, you know, after going down 2 nothing and and really having Vegas take the play to them, I think they had 22 shots in the first period. The Jets, to their credit, got a couple early ones, and it wasn't the usual suspects, man. It was, uh, you know, Jansen Harkins getting the team on the board. And then, you know, a really cool moment for Christian Reichel, who I don't think a lot of people had on, you know, the active roster for the Winnipeg Jets at any point this season. Um, played a few games in the league and now gets his first goal in the National Hockey League. A huge goal yesterday for the Winnipeg Jets and then uh, a couple more in the third period and you thought the team was home and cool. Uh, It's never so easy. Um, Matias Janmark with a, you know, taking advantage of uh, an unfortunate play by Dylan DeMello. He sort of got tripped up, went in, put one over the shoulder of Connor Halibut to get to 4-3. And then um, a stomach churner if there was one for Winnipeg Jet fans where a, a desperate play, after Paul Stastny hit the post with an open net, a desperate play by the Vegas Golden Knights, just putting it towards the net, a play that would have gone wide. Genmark Mark with an absolutely perfect deflection off of his skate. And we went to OT, but, you know, come overtime, there's not too many guys in the league you'd rather have on your team than Kyle Connor and KFC delivered once again. Um, I guess it had been the same ending to the game last time the Jets were in Vegas two years ago. Kyle Connor in overtime, a 5-4 win, and a big two points to begin this three-game road trip, Remus, which, of course, will be followed by another week off with a number of games
2: postponed that are supposed to be played here in Winnipeg at Canada Life Centre. Yeah, the Jets going with what? The AHL schedule, the college schedule, week on, week off. You know, maybe they could use that to her advantage, um, you know, with healing from injuries for sure. But um, I mean, Kyle Connor in overtime, he's got to be one of the best guys in the league. Just walks down, uh, shoots it over Bro Sois. Uh, pretty incredible. And I agree with you. I mean, it was great to see some guys who aren't scoring too often get on the score sheet. Christian Reichel showed it to him, just getting it on net. First one of his career. I think he said he just closed his eyes and shot it and found found twine uh, Jansen Harkins. We we like to see how huh? stepping up with Connor and Dubois who seem to have picked up where they left off from the start of the year. Now with Harkins riding shotgun. So I wonder if that third, you know, that third person there is going to be a rotating cast. Harkins seems to be the guy. Um, and yeah Reichels with cop and Lowry. Um, you know, we did have another incident with the Gus bus getting another flat tire. Can't seem to get out of the garage house. Huh? So it's like, just getting down the block and that uh reminding me of Archie's jalopy uh getting <laughs> getting banged up uh sorry to see that from him um I guess we'll we'll wait and see I know there was a lot of comments in the Kenny and Rennie post game about that uh I'll chalk it up to bad luck, but uh that is very very it's <laughs> really bad bad luck um, so, yeah, I mean, as far as Gustafson
1: yeah. goes, just quickly. I mean, Dave Lowry did speak to it after the game. It was still very relatively preliminary. There has not been an update yet on David Gustafson. And you, you'll hope that he's just going to miss the game and be able to get back out. I mean, I, I didn't sense that there was a big concern that this was something that was, you know, a major injury. But at the same time, as you mentioned, I mean, you know, he gets in the lineup, gets hurt immediately. You have all this time to skate, practice and get healthy and get prepared. And then once again, first period, the guy's out for the game. I mean, uh, Murphy's Law is alive and well with poor David Gustafson right now because if that dude didn't have bad luck, he'd have no luck at all.
2: Yeah, we for a guy, you know, for a guy who we talked up, get Gus in the lineup, get him in, and the two times he goes in, he leaves early with an injury. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate, but you know they had uh, other guys step up, and we like to see Dave Lowry's talking about getting guys to go to the net, and it seemed like they were doing that, especially on the fourth goal. What? Uh, or sorry, the third goal. No, no, fourth. It was 5-4, my bad. The last goal in regulation, the team scored. Um, all the guys going to the net, jamming away. Andrew Cobb puts it in. As well, um, that Paul Stasny deflection, thing of beauty. Um, oh. Like, I, I love, you know, some of my friends, like, you, know, but you look at Paul Stasny, and he doesn't seem like the most skilled player he's not the fastest he doesn't have the hardest shot but you love watching him uh make plays like that just uh heads up smart plays very you know good passing we just celebrated his 500th assist before the break i mean what a player paul stasny and uh picking up some slack there uh, getting the go-ahead goal in the third
1: that goal was absolutely brilliant um And I mean, I don't know. I mean, these guys are professionals. They're the best in the world. So, I mean, maybe if you did that a hundred times, a player like that's going to get it in 10 or 12 or 15. But, I mean, it just seemed to be absolutely perfect. And it was exactly what the Winnipeg Jets needed. And you mentioned the Andrew Kopp goal. Um, you You know, they've talked a lot about going to the net and getting pucks to the area that, you know, maybe you get a few dirty goals. Normally, you think about that at five on five, not necessarily on the power play. Um, but many of the same things that, you know, you preach at five on five can be said for the power play in that if you've got the man advantage, maybe you've got an even better shot of uh, bang and went in. And that's exactly what happened. And uh, I'll tell you what, I thought Kopp had a strong game, especially considering that, you know, he was on the COVID list over the course of the holidays. Hadn't been with the team practicing, skated on his own, had the foresight to bring his equipment with him back to Michigan. He was the only player that led that brought it. And uh, good thing that he did. Um, and then right back in, seemingly
2: not missing a beat and scoring that big goal on the
1: power play in the third period to give the Jets that
2: two-goal lead. Yeah, and I think one thing we've talked about, the lines, you mentioned Cop and Lowry there. I really like this more balanced approach here with the pairs, and I think it's working. It gives you some more, um, some more depth. You're not relying only on a top six. I think you really do have a top nine now that Cop and Lowry are back together. We know that they've played well before, so you got Cop Lowry, um, Connor Dubois is, you know, the pair they're rolling in. Schaefer and Ehlers as well. So, um, and, you know, kind of see how that fourth line shakes out. I know Cole Perfetti uh, on the trip. Does he get in now that uh, Augustus and his fetch ready to come back in? Uh, a couple of questions there for the Jets. But, you know, the first game, I know we don't want to get into the excuse factory here, Hus, but first game after a big layoff, you know, the defense. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna be rusty. You're gonna give up a lot of goals. You're not gonna have a lot of structure. And yeah, they gave up uh, gave up four. But I I do think there is something to uh, first game, and you, you definitely saw that in the first period. They figured out oh, you probably would prefer not to give up the tying goal in the dying seconds. But um, if there's any team you want to take in three on three, uh, if there's a three on three like power pole rankings, I would sure the Jets would be up there with some of the burners they have with the Oilers, Connor. Um Shafley well, as well I mean those Dubois um, so I, I mean this is a pretty good team and you know thankfully they were able to, to get the two points there
1: you know I, I mean let's just talk about Connor for a minute because that goal that he scored was absolutely brilliant I mean really a one man show I mean he gets the puck back in circles in essentially fakes out a couple guys who miss and next thing you know it's a two on one Um, and as he said after the game he certainly was not going to uh, not take that shot and that opportunity against his old pal LB. That was the one thing we didn't talk about. We didn't really know it would be mm-hmm. the case going into the weekend, but with Robin Lehner on the shelf, um, former battery mates, Connor Hellebuck and Lauren Brassois going at it last night in uh, what was, um, you know, a really fun and entertaining game for people to watch. I'm sure the goalies and the coaches would have liked to see maybe some of the shots and the chances down. Um, but I thought Barroso made a few big saves late in the game as well as earlier on in overtime to keep the game in. Uh, but Kyle Connor, such a difference maker. And I'll tell you what, Remus, looking at, I guess, with that goal yesterday, Kyle Connor becomes the 10th fastest player in, N- in NHL history, uh, American born, um, to get to 150 goals. And, you know, there's more and more accolades about for Kyle Connor. And even Dave Lowry said that, you know, when he was asked about Kyle Connor, he thinks he's one of the most uh, underrated players in the National Hockey League. And uh, I saw Billick as well popping out. Since the, Here's a great stat from Billick. You can follow him over at Scott Billick on Twitter. Since the start of the 2017 18 season, Kyle Connor has 148 goals, sixth in the NHL, more than Nate McKinnon, more than Brad Marchand. The only players that have scored more than Kyle Connery in the NHL since the beginning of 2017, Ovechkin, Matthews, Dreisaitl, McDavid, and David Pasternak. Pretty elite company that Kyle Connor is in right now when it comes
2: to uh, light and red lights. Yeah, I mean, the guy can skate, uh, he can shoot, and yeah, if he's on you know, two-on-one there, he's taking the shot, and you, and you saw it. And I think he's going to be in Vegas uh, next month, for the NHL All Star Game, you'd have to think he's going to get the All Star nod from the team. Him and him and Dubois would be my picks, and maybe Hellbuck, but uh, probably those guys. I mean, you look at uh, Kyle Connor. I mean, uh, Ken Weeb with his bold predictions for 22. He had Kyle Connor winning some hardware. Rocco Richard. I mean, he's definitely up there. 19 goals in uh, in 31 games. Uh, he's just uh, behind a couple of the names you just mentioned: uh, Dreisaitl, Ovechkin, Matthews. And McDavid, and so yeah, Dreisel ovechkin they got a, a couple goal lead. I know Ovechkin's played what two more games or three more games, but uh, those, that's some good company to be in, and great to have a goal scorer like that on the Jets. And there he was with yet another over Kyle Connor in overtime. What a what a great pair! Yeah,
1: hey, you know, don't turn away when eighty-one's got the puck in three-on-three yeah. three overtime. That's for sure. Um, so a nice start to this road trip for the Winnipeg Jets, um, and I think a really important two points. I mean, when you look at this this week of three games, you had Vegas and Colorado bookending the Arizona game. Now, the Jets need to go into that game tomorrow with some a chip on their shoulder and feeling like they've got some unfinished business because they owe the Coyotes one, considering what happened a few weeks back here in Winnipeg at Canada Life Center when the Jets put up 46 shots on carol Vimelka, but were unable to uh to, to solve him and you know many of the things remus that you know plagued the jets in that game and a few of the other games the islander game the carolina game being pushed out to the perimeter seemed to be you know really job number one of dave lowry during this stretch of practice that really essentially ended up being an extended little mini training camp for the winnipeg jets um and over and over again it was um repeated by the coach and the coaching staff that this team needs to shoot the puck at the net. It needs to get into those dirty areas because I think we know that given time and space, the Winnipeg Jets will be able to uh, skate and score with anyone in the National Hockey League. The problem is you don't always have that time and space, and that has been problematic for the Winnipeg Jets. And I think last night, especially against a Vegas team that certainly looks a lot different without the likes of Stone and Pacioretty in the lineup right now. Uh, And of course, Jack Eichel, a potentially coming in later on this season. But that was the sort of game where you did sort of need to earn some of your opportunities. And I thought the Jets did a good job of that, especially considering uh, an underwhelming start to the game
2: being down to nothing heading into the first break. Oh, for sure. You think, oh, no, here we go. Uh, you know for again, first game back, not looking good, but they seem to find their legs. Maybe it was that tribute to uh, Paul Stasny and Nate Schmidt during the game that that ignited a nice video do a tribute there i'm sure the jets will be returning the favor to uh brossois uh when, when vegas uh vegas comes here but yeah i mean again i don't think it was textbook but they did some of the things that they've been working on they got two points and you move on to arizona where they better like smoke these guys like seven one eight one it better be it better be a big revenge factor Telling you right uh, now
1: there i i rarely ever bet on the jets Mm-hmm. And I do it partly because of superstitious, uh, you know, it's even worse when you bet on your own you're team all, and they you're lose. You're
2: already emotionally invested enough. You don't need to put puck, your money in puck there. Puck line
1: tomorrow. Puck line tomorrow against the Coyotes. <laughs> I, to, to your point, they need to go out and make a statement against the worst team in the yeah. National Hockey League. Get those two points back that they burned here in Winnipeg. Um, and that would be a heck of a start. I mean, you know, you know, if you could get those two wins right out the gate, then you'd go in. Against the Colorado Avalanche, a division rival who's right there in the thick of things with the with the Jets. however, they going into yesterday's action had only played twenty seven games. So the avalanche of all teams have plenty of games to make up. um but a head to head matchup against a team that you know is going to be in the playoffs in the mix at the end was huge. But before you start thinking about Colorado, dangerous game to play, getting ready for a game on Thursday before you finish with the game on Tuesday. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they come out tomorrow. I have a feeling the start should be a little bit better. Um, but again, it was a difficult situation for the Jets last night. I mean, you know, we joke about some of the things that in the past have been rolled out as excuses, mm-hmm. but honestly, having a two a two-week break going in to play a team that's played a couple times in the last few days, not a great situation. Yeah. But did the Jets credit? I mean, they bounced back from a tough start. Potter Hellebuck made some big mm-hmm. saves to keep them in the hockey game and uh You know, as I said right off the top of the program, I think best of all was the fact that the guys that really got them back into the game were the guys that were called calling what you are placeholders right now. I mean, I don't think Jansen Harkins projects to projects to be a regular on the dua Honor line, although probably certainly earned himself another look last night. And I mean, Christian Reichel getting his first NHL goal such a great story. Undrafted player signed to the Moose a few years ago has grinded its way to a prominent role in the team through the American Hockey League, earned himself a two-way contract, made his NHL debut, and then gets his first goal. And I'm not sure if you've seen this video. I believe the Moose tweeted out yesterday. Um, The Moose were playing a game in front of no fans in the afternoon, and they gave an update from the Jets-Vegas game up on the Jumbotron and announced that the Jets had tied it up, and Christian Reichel had scored the goal, and the shot of the guys on the bench couple of guys putting their hands up all looking up it was a a really really cool moment for a young man that has had absolutely nothing handed to him and has earned his way to the national hockey league and uh really really cool to see him get number one
2: last night yeah for sure and as you said i mean we can come up with a list of excuses here for the jets you know the travel Different time zone, afternoon start time. We have, we have. I've yet to hear anyone
1: mention time zone in 2022. So you just did. That's a yellow card again. Until someone else brings it up, we are certainly not bringing it up right now. (laughs) And the next time we hear it, it will be called out right now. I think maybe 2022 time zone free show here on the the program. The
2: one thing about this road trip is. I believe it is all in the is it all in the mountain time zone or is LA in or yeah. Las Vegas in Pacific time. But I know um there the Jets are speaking of mountain time. The Jets are practicing today at um two o'clock mountain time. So that I believe my math tells me that's three o'clock here. So we won't have an update uh during this show. But they will be playing tomorrow. Some nice uh, start times this week. Tuesday and Thursday. Um eight o'clock oh, you got eight central, o'clock starts? Eight o'clock central time, great time. You get to have dinner. You get ready for the game. It doesn't end too late. I think I think we can all agree some of these nine o'clock starts maybe end too late. I think a this is a perfect time. I'm looking forward to having sitting on my couch this week because I, I haven't done it during a week. I mean the Sunday Sunday three o'clock time. I mean that's you're juggling things there with the football, but uh, I think these are going to be some good games. The revenge game tomorrow, we're excited. And Thursday is the measure, is the measuring stick game to use use the the biggest litmus uh, test litmus yeah.
1: test no i don't know i not litmus, sure yeah, what it's do you a litmus test measuring but it's a challenge stick, they got to go out and get the job test
2: <laughs> well, how many how many can we
1: do <laughs> yeah what was who were we talking to uh, earlier like, like a few weeks ago asking what's the jets record this year in litmus <laughs> test games how
2: many how many yeah. litmus oh, tests man. do how we have how many are <laughs> there
1: yeah we hey, should I'm keep like, track
2: of that is that on uh like hockey db <laughs> <laughs> yeah. tomorrow
1: technically not a litmus test game but i think it's a must win i mean i definitely think it is a must win and even if you remove the stench of that game that happened here a month ago in winnipeg and the two points that was burned against arizona um plain and simple the other teams in the central division are getting points against the coyotes you better do it as well um, so we will have more on the coyotes matchup. maybe a little more on what's happening with that franchise and organization tomorrow as we get ready for the game um, but I'll tell you what I personally just for mental health and well-being. It was great to have a game yesterday. Um, I wasn't fired up about the three o'clock start, but to be honest, it gave me something to focus on <clears throat> after being so rattled with the way that chiefs Bengals game ended. Yeah. We'll what get happened? to the N- We'll get to the NFL playoff picture. How many chiefs times, got absolutely how, robbed.
2: How, how many times <laughs> you got to stop a guy at the one at the end there has to uh, get a win.
1: Well, that was, yeah, um, <laughs> Listen I, I've <laughs> never seen I've never seen anything like that. Uh, it worked out perfectly, and Zach Taylor, younger coach, grew up playing Madden. He totally understands clock management and did a masterful job of it. Uh, I'll say this though, the The penalties, including uh, really a game-changing p- phantom pass interference call uh, against Lugarious Sneed on what was the go-ahead touchdown drive by the Bengals, to me was the game. But hey, credit where credit is due. Joe Burrow is an absolute stud. That was a, I mean, a legendary performance for him. Um, and Jamar Chase, what do you have? 11 catches or 12 catches for 266 yards and three touchdowns. Those guys killed Kansas City. So uh, we'll see what happens if those teams meet in the playoffs. But a massive win for the Bengals. They win the division, they eliminate the Cleveland Browns. It makes this Monday Nighter essentially irrelevant tonight. We will get to the lines, though. Big shift after the Bengals won that game. Uh, with now with Cleveland having nothing to play for Um, and for the Chiefs I mean, a really costly loss because Tennessee now just has to beat Houston. They'll have the number one seed, which means Kansas City will be two. And there's only one by this year. So uh, lots to get to. We'll touch on the NFL playoff picture a little bit later on the program. Um, hey, I want to give a big Happy New Year to our friends over at F Apparel. Uh, they finished up the big Boxing Week sale on a Friday, but still incredible deals. 24-7, 365 at FApparel.com and at the store at 190 Smith Street downtown. They are the uh, Winnipeg owned place with custom suits for men and far more than just that uh, dress shirts, suits, winter jackets, chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts and more. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom made suits start at just four hundred dollars. Um, And also, if you're planning a wedding for the upcoming year, wedding parties get 15% off when the group buys their suits from us. Give Andrew and the gang a call or pop down and see him at 190 Smith downtown. That is F apparel. And uh, holy smokes, happy new year to our friends over at Vita Health Fresh Market. New year, new you might be a few things you're thinking about getting into for January. Uh, Maybe a sober January after a very, um, well, maybe not as busy or hectic December as we normally have, but is a good time to maybe ground yourself heading into the new year. Um, And if you are thinking about doing that, Vita Health Fresh Market has an incredible selection of sober January items, including non-alcoholic beer from Sober Carpenter and Neil Brothers, to Sobrew Elixirs, Boreal Botanicals, and Clever Mocktails. And if you're thinking about going vegan for the month, Vita Health will get you started. Um, Amazing plant-based and vegan products, including Tofurky, Field Roast Gardein, The Very Good Butchers, Light Life Beyond Meat, and more. Of course, Vita Health stock with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products at great prices with an amazing staff that'll help you make the right choices. Uh, Hey, you can join their exclusive Vita VIP list. Text Vita VIP to 1-877-630-1970. To receive special offers all year long subscribe until march 31st and you'll be entered to win a hundred dollar vita health gift card the number again one 630 vita's got seven winnipeg locations including the newest store in linden ridge online at myvita.ca, and while we're getting healthy for the new year uh the one thing that it all starts with is water stay hydrated just ask kenny Um, You can hydrate like Ken Weave and the best of them with the best water around. And that, of course, is the experts at Culligan Water celebrating 65 years in business as the water experts in Winnipeg and southern Manitoba. Softeners, filters, coolers, whole home drinking water systems, citywide delivery water services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Give them a call. Culligan Water 694-5180. You can visit them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue or check them out online at drinkculligan.com. All right, uh, let's welcome in the first guest of the new year. We're setting the bar very, very high and welcoming in our guy, Jeff Hamilton <laughs> from the Winnipeg Free Press. Hammer, happy new year. How are you doing, man?
0: Good, Hus. Happy new year to you and Remo, too. It's an absolute honor to be on here at, uh, as your first guest here in 2022. We made it. We got here. I don't think many people Barely. thought we would, but here we are. <laughs> smiling on youtube and in front of a great group of guests and everything and i guess more like uh more like watchers watchers now eh? not readers or whatever but uh yeah awesome to be here i'm feeling i'm feeling really good let's get out of the way i survived covid i uh i was off the map there for a good 10 days are you out of protocol now I think today is officially it, or tomorrow. So I'm going to obviously lean towards tomorrow. I got my ass kicked for longer than I expected, probably four or five days. Um, and then I have I've felt great, um, maybe not great, but I've certainly felt great today. Uh, I've felt good over the last few days. I've tested negative on the on rapid tests and and all that all that requirement and stuff. So all in all, it feels good to just be talking to people, to be honest. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no doubt. Unfortunately, talking about COVID is what everyone's been doing. And I mean, it's a huge, huge story right now in the world of sports. I mean, I should just bring this up right now while uh, while I've got it. I see, I believe Austin Matthews uh, ended up in protocol a little earlier today. Um, another couple of teams have uh, had to shut down. Three more and a coach with the Ottawa Senators. Wow. Um, you know, this is going to happen. I mean, it's happening to everybody everywhere right now in different jurisdictions shall we say are handling it differently right um but i mean what are your thoughts about where we're at right now just when it comes to sports in the national hockey league i mean the jets have had a number of games that have been camp- that have been postponed i should say um but i think we're getting now to the point where they've almost postponed as many as they can notice that when they canceled the or postponed the edmonton game on the january 16th the Ottawa game is still being played in Ottawa, of course, an Eastern team is a big Western road trip that could very well be played in front of half full buildings or empty buildings right now, Jeff. And then, you know, you've got all these games with some teams with a big discrepancy of games played having to make it all up during a time where I think all the players thought that they'd be out on a beach somewhere uh, enjoying their enjoying a winter break as opposed to cramming in a bunch of games that were canceled due to the
0: virus. Yeah, I mean, if you, my observations over the last few weeks, where things have kind of gone off the rails, in the sense of, uh, you know, increased cases, more teams getting affected, more teams getting shut down, schedules being moved, the Olympics being obviously not canceled, but the players not going out there, um, you know, that's obviously created a lot of frustration inside dressing rooms. I think you know we we've we've kind of seen as players come out and and talk. I, I don't get. Um, you know, necessarily why we ask you know these non-experts questions about COVID, but it, it does relate to them in their job and, and and work stoppages and stuff like that. So there's a clear frustration from the players who really from the beginning have identified themselves, and it's not just the NHL; it's just professional sports all over the place, and and high-end you know college sports too, and all that is just you know we're we're healthy people, we're healthy. You know, men and women. I'm not gonna put women in there because I haven't really seen a lot of women come forward and you know complain about it. But um, you know, there's obviously a frustration amongst players and then there's a, there's clearly a consciousness amongst the owners about the bottom line. Uh, you know, these games probably I mean in some cases certainly couldn't get couldn't be played just due to the protocols and, and, and having to pass them and clear them and, and be able to play, but um, there's obviously a, a, a massive effort on on uh, on making sure that there's as many people as possible in, in the arenas. And, and you know, and with that, I mean, you can look at it as corporate greed and, and, you know, in some ways it can be classified as that. But in other ways, there's a lot of things that come with with these, you know, with, with gated missions and, and revenue and all that stuff, whether it's, you know, this promise, I don't know if there's been promises, but the expectation was a salary cap would grow in the next few years after the player's... Paid it back, you know, all the money that was lost and, and, and whatnot, and now we seem like we're kind of going through this whole process again, um, and it's and it's threatening, it's threatening those exact same things again, you know, players' salaries, obviously, you know, having to make up for the escrow and all those stuff, and and certainly playing in, in half filled or, or even in some cases potentially empty arenas. Um, is not going to is not gonna bode well for those things. So I just think you see it kind of all over the place. Obviously, there's a lot of question marks. Like, you know, personally, I have no idea how I got COVID. I mean, I'm a single guy. I live alone. I, I certainly don't, um, you know, go out of my way to abuse the protocols or anything like that. I haven't been part of family dinners. We canceled Christmas um, even before I got COVID. So it, I think a lot of people are just... Frustrated with, you know, obviously their their paychecks, but also, you know, much like greater society, frustrated with not really knowing or understanding, um, you know, certainly understanding the importance of getting vaccinated and getting, you know, and and isolating all those things and getting tested, but just kind of wondering when this is all going to end, and and um, you know, count me among that group. Although I do understand. Um, the importance in of following the rules and and doing all the things that are being asked of us it's just you know it's as time goes on and we enter another year calendar year with with the same problem it's hard not to to, to be frustrated and, and certainly understand that perspective yeah you know
1: what it's funny going back to the games being played and the people you know whining about oh it's all about corporate greed i mean this is no different than anywhere everywhere else i mean when they shut restaurants down earlier what were people in the restaurant industry saying hey we want to work we want to be yeah. able to earn a living and what is always lost when we hear people chirping about that is the fact that there's a cba the NHL and the National Hockey League Players Association are partners. They share everything 50 mm-hmm. 50. Players got a lot of money last year based on their salaries that wasn't coming in, that some of it needs to be paid back. So the thought of it taking longer and playing a bunch of games, um, it's in a lot of ways, it's like working for free in some way. And nobody really wants to do that. So I mean yeah, kind of so, there, there's yeah well you you know what
0: i'm saying or at a much much lower rate um listen everyone, everyone wants needs, to make the money they earn whether it's exact amount of money or m- way more than that
1: yeah so um uh, anyways i i really hope that um you know we'll have a full schedule through february and can sort of get to this point and um anyways that's sort of the way you kind of almost have to start things talking about the big picture of where we're at all that sure. being said two weeks off and uh Two points coming out of Vegas yesterday. Uh, A white knuckle ride, if there ever was one. A tough start, a really good bounce back, couple goals early in the third period, and then a little bit of chaos and, listen, an amazing, amazing Hail Mary deflection off a skate to tie the game. Uh, But then there was the guy that's been the most reliable goal scorer for the Winnipeg Jets over the last few years. Here's Kyle Connor taking over in overtime and uh, getting a very important two points that probably should have been had in 60 minutes. But uh, bottom line is they needed those two and they got them to start off this road trip.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for me. I mean, I'm not one of those people that, that is in the business of telling fans how to feel. I can certainly understand how that game would have been, you know, from the, from the hardcore fan would have been digested. Certainly a slow start. I mean, you know, this isn't a defense, but what do you expect when the team hasn't played since December 19th? You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, uh, and over a Christmas holiday break, you knew there was going to be a sluggish start out of the, out of Winnipeg. And, and when you add in the fact that, you know, Las Vegas had played a couple post-Christmas games and found, you know, was able to knock off some of the rust there, get victories, feel good about their game. Um, and the fact that Winnipeg went into Sin City and, and, and took two points. I mean, that's, to me... It's not really asking how they get it. They need it. I mean, they're desperate right now. They need points. Uh, you know, Vegas is obviously a very good team. They they lead the West and the Pacific. And and so, you know, obviously two valuable points, but I also understand the idea of, you know, them finding their game in the second period, scoring in bunches, getting a healthy lead, and then having it, you know, here we go again in the Jets season. You know, I, I just, you know, so I certainly understand that frustration too. At the end of the day, I think, you know, fans need to be happy that um, where fans could be happy that that uh, they get the extra point in, in in the extra period, and and like you said, Haas. I mean, Kyle Connor was, you know, I mean, this guy continues to write his his story of this season, and you know where he stands in this league, and you know, there's very few better goal scorers out there. So not surprising to see him do that, but certainly. You know not the not the way the Jets drew it up but at the end of the day you know where they stand in the standings I mean you know outside of that playoff picture uh two points is is a massive piece and when can come against a team as good as Vegas regardless of the circumstances including Vegas obviously having a number of of key guys out of the lineup but you know I think you just got to move on and, and and you know continue this road trip next game obviously being in Arizona and getting those two valuable points well hey you know just before we get to
1: Arizona and move on from Vegas I mean my one take. The way from, from yesterday was this team is going to be such a problem for the rest of the league when they do get healthy. And I mean, it's one thing to get Matt, Mark Stone and it's another thing to get Max Pacioretty in the lineup.
0: Yeah, what about the other guy? But
1: Jack Eichel is going to show up in Vegas at some point later on this season. And when you look, I mean, they're already a first place team. I mean, they've been doing this. Chandler Stevenson, for crying out loud, is a point a game player and leading them in yep. scoring. I mean, they didn't have Robin Lehner yesterday. And, you know, Loren Brossois got a chance to go up against his old mates. I wasn't sure how they would be able to weather this early in the season with so many important players being out in the trade of Krebs and, and talk with futures coming in and Jack Eichel months down the road. I got to tell you, I mean, they may have been at this point of the season, considering what they've been dealing with, one of the most impressive outfits so far this year in the National Hockey League, and they are going to be scary later on this season come playoff time, assuming they get healthy.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't know, like you look at the three guys that they were missing in their lineup and, you know, that's like taking the entire Jets top line uh, out of the game. And so, you know, certainly this has been an identity, if you will, uh, of Vegas in the sense that, you know, whether it's that first year where they were, you know, dubbed themselves misfits and it was us against the world. and, And clearly, obviously, that magical run to just setting, obviously, a culture there of winning. You know, you hear often this idea of culture of winning, where there's just an inherent confidence that comes with stepping into into a dressing room or 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 putting on that jersey. There's you know, there's certain organizations that it's just you up your level, and and maybe we're seeing that with Vegas. I mean, to weather the storm that they've weathered, um, and to, to as you as you've alluded to or or said outright, like look into the future here and see what they're getting back and how dangerous they could be. I mean, they already have a lot of the components. Um, that make up a a championship team. And that's being deep in in all areas of of the ice. Uh, Of course, starting with goalie. I mean, Robert Lehner is good. We all know what Laurent Boussois is capable of doing as a backup. Um, You know, you have great defense you have forwards who are managing you know managing the guys are able to come out and establish themselves and become point of game players you know given the opportunity so yeah they're a very scary team and i think you know you have to tip your cap to everybody within that organization and just what they've been able to establish in a short amount of time here and you know it's really what every team's kind of chasing i mean you look at you look at winnipeg in the past and you know i'm not to beat them up here, but you know, one guy out of the lineup has been used as an excuse for a lack of playoff success, or one guy out of you know out of the lineup has, has been has been you know used as why they went on, lost six to seven games last season, and and you know like it was it there, there's a lot of you know there's a lot of excuses that teams tend to to use, and then there's the teams that just get it done, and I and, and I really don't think it, it's obviously not a switch. It's not like you just switch to being a confident good team. It takes time. It takes consistency it takes consistent efforts and I think what's been most impressive with Vegas is is it almost looks like Vegas does what Winnipeg has been desperately trying to do for years and that's being hard on the puck smother uh, you know opposing teams have elite players in your lineup skilled quote-unquote skilled players in your lineup that still contribute to that kind of game style and and you know we're we're just seeing that Um, from them year in and year out and they're particularly dangerous at home so credit to the Jets despite this you know the number of stars being out winning and getting those two points on home ice because that's a tough barn to play in both from a fan perspective and from a distraction perspective I'm sure you know these guys (laughs) like doing things so you know all things you know I keep saying all things considered you know yada yada but yeah Vegas is the is the cream of the crop and you know what they've been able to do I mean I don't know what they've been able to do with their roster and improve year in and year out has just been fascinating to me. And certainly a team to watch as we get down to the final stretch in the season. They're going to be a deadly team.
1: Yeah, 22 wins going into last night, still on top of the Pacific Division. And, you know, credit to them for managing to squeeze a point out of a game where they probably should have lost in regulation. That's what good teams do. And it is all about stacking points right now in the regular season. So the Jets get to, they now move on to Arizona tomorrow. And, I mean, I realize somewhat of it's hyperbole because there's so much hockey left to be played. But, I mean, to me, this is a must-win game. And not just a must-win game, Jeff, but I think considering the bad taste in the mouth that that team will have, considering what happened here in Winnipeg when these two teams met earlier this season, Mm -hmm. I think an important, maybe a statement game, to continue to build off what they did yesterday, heading into a massive divisional game with, I think, most people's pick as the number one team in the Central Division, the Colorado Avalanche.
0: Yeah, and go to the other end of the spectrum, and the, Arizona, and the Phoenix Coyotes are the worst team. Arizona's the worst team in the league. So it's just, it's, you know... Historically like bad, in fact. Historically bad, yeah, historically <laughs> bad, you know, on and off the ice. You know, they, they do put up good efforts. We saw that in Winnipeg. I mean, I, that was the game, you know, I, I came on your show afterwards or shortly thereafter and talked about that being the first time I saw Paul Maurice looked like he was worried about his job. You know, like the first time he addressed media with no answers, with, you know, not the same degree of charisma or, or whatever that he comes with, you know, even in post games where, you know, obviously he's quiet in other times. But that was the real game. And I thought that even though the Jets obviously outplayed them for long stretches and, and certainly outshot them, they never looked dangerous. And so... You know, I just, you know, just this game to me, this Tuesday game. Yeah, you're looking at Thursday. You're not looking too far ahead to Thursday, but you're certainly looking at Thursday. I heard you guys making fun of Lipness tests and what the records were and all the <laughs> measuring stick. Let's let's uh, let's not get into that for a Thursday, but that's a very good opponent. Um, it's an opponent that's expected to do a lot of damage, much like Vegas, even more than Vegas at the end of the season. Um, but you can't look past Tuesday. This is a revenge game, you know, and, and maybe, maybe you like to see a bit of emotion from the Winnipeg Jets, right? You know, build off some of that, build off the good feelings that you, you create in Vegas. You know, you gutted one out, you found a way to win at the end and and now you're, you're heading into an opponent's um, arena. That's, that's only has six wins this season. You know, like you said, been historically bad in in pretty much all aspects of the game time to put your foot down. You know, you can't be considered a contender uh, in this league and then not go up against the, you know, the league's bottom feeders, treat them with respect but at the same time level them, you know? And so that's, I think what you're looking at with the Winnipeg Jets on Tuesday. I mean, you got your, you got your rust out, you know, you, you got your rust out this past game against Vegas. You're able to get the two points. You're feeling pretty good. Don't think about Thursday. Think about the two points in, you know, against Arizona and beat a bad team. Cause they also know this. I mean, this is, this is where I think some of the, some of the emotional maturity, Um, of teams come into play is that are they going to view this game with respect for Arizona and go out and pound them? Or are they going to be worried about losing this game and what comes with losing to a team like Arizona? Right. So that's kind of, you know, whether you want to call it a response, a lot of the times you look at, you know, how teams respond following losses and see what kind of character they have. I'd switch it. I'd switch, you know, flip that and say, okay, you got the victory against Vegas. What kind of character do you have coming out and then, Fall, you know, riding this momentum and, and continuing and continuing your strong play. So we'll see what happens on Tuesday. That's just the beauty of these games, where you know they win. And okay, yeah, you're supposed to win. It's Arizona. You lose, and you guys are spending all next day on your show talking about how oh, it's rock bottom for them. Yeah, so, it's
1: must. It's must. Win. It's feeling. must Let's win. Go.
0: <laughs> no doubt. Hey,
1: double uh, X Rev, thanks a lot for the super chat and shout out to everyone in chat, including uh, Coast to Coast NHL. What's going on? Welcome to the program. If you are new, hit that red subscribe button. Even on holidays like today, we're here one o'clock central and uh, firing up the podcast a little later on for the drive home, although most people not working today. So uh, maybe a few more people joining us live. If you are a podcast listener, it's great to have you on the YouTube. You can always check this in the evening as well. If you missed any of the program, Hammer, uh, we're going to talk a little more jets later on. Randy's going to pop by, but I did want to quickly touch on the CFL offseason with you. Um first things first let's talk about the Bombers. I mean Nick Hallett resigned today, um you know an important depth player for the Bombers. I mean there's so many free agents right now and no difference in most other areas, but mm-hmm. what do you think that Kyle Walters is doing right now? I mean uh, is, is it a matter of taking care of a few of the small rocks that you know you can fit in that you know are going to be pieces? Um what are the biggest challenges for the uh, for the GM? considering he'd like to bring back most players from a back-to-back championship team, but there's a salary cap. You know, there are going to be plenty of suitors for players that balled out the way they did last year, wearing blue and gold.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think in, in typical years, you'd see a little bit more action right, right now, because obviously there'd be an, an earlier ending Um, be the third week in November, of course, or the fourth week in November. And and so you kind of would take a bit of a deep breath uh, maybe a week or so depending on where you where you were i mean if you're the bombers obviously in the great cup or if you're a team in the great cup you take a bit of a deep breath after that and then get back to business i think the fact that the great cup was in Dece- on december 12th maybe you're doing a little bit of business before but you're not talking to agents about players contracts on your team for next season when you're on a great cup right you're not you're not sitting there to you know you're not looking to piss anybody off come playoffs um, so I imagine in this situation, they would have ta- you know, Kyle Walters would have taken a deep breath. I'm sure they would have gone over, you know, leading up to Christmas people, you know, identifying who they want back, who they can have back, what kind of price tags it would be. But I imagine a lot of the work is gets done. You know, now we we've seen a bit of you know we've seen a bit of um, you know signings. You mentioned Nick Hallett. There's been other ones. You know, kind of just bringing guys back that were on. Drew Brown's practice. back at the quarterback Brown's position. Back. Yeah, Ali Matata is uh, apparently going to be the kicker for the Bombers, or at least one of them in camp. Um, you know, Mr. Good Guy. So you know, the, obviously small signs. There's been there's been much bigger ones across the league. So you look at a team like Calgary. They signed Jake Meyer. Uh, you know, he, they know he wants to be a starter. Bo Levi Mitchell is getting, a, you know, a, a salary bonus here coming up in the next week or two. That's significant. We'll see what kind of actions that. But who cares? That's Calgary. Um, you know, Winnipeg, I think the other thing, too, is there used to be a lot more money left in the bank at the end of a season to sign players before January. So that 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 um, that that money came off the salary cap of that previous year and not for the next season whether that be signing bonus money or whatever it is, maybe even a contract, depending on how much you have in the bank. But, you know, although from what we understand, from what Wade Miller said, it's going to be a profitable season this year. I don't think that necessarily speaks to the salary cap situation. I think the pennies were all spent up. Um, I don't think there was much to to dole out. Clearly there was not much to dole out, seeing that we don't have anyone's names, um, you know, any big kind of, Significant signings coming through just yet, but um, certainly that's going to be obviously the work of the next couple months. I think it's going to be fascinating. I don't know if you saw on social media the other day, but I think Willie Jefferson got the conversation going, wondering who was going to be the big fish in free agency. And Jackson <laughs> Jeffco it. retweeted, <laughs> it, and said he was thinking the exact same thing. So, I mean i don't know I, I mean i've said on this show in the past i think the big the toughest signing the toughest re-signing is going to be jackson Jeffco just because i i don't necessarily and i would never blame a guy for this i'm not saying he's 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 going to be the one that's chasing that's chasing the big dollars or whatever that the bombers won't get a, a deal close but um, obviously there's an appetite um for guys to, to cash in their back-to-back champs I, you know I think there's going to be a lot of guys coming back in 2022. Uh, You know, you're certainly not going to get everyone coming back. We saw that from 2019 to 2021. Obviously there's different factors. There's some guys that are working out for NFL teams. There's a lot of guys who aren't under contract, um, which is obviously going to be a a big one and and whatnot. So um, all in all, I think, you know, it, it, I, this is and this is me getting into my crystal ball. This isn't not necessarily any insider information. I think a lot of guys are gonna come back. A lot of guys are gonna come back and uh, you know, there's going to be a good team on here. It's just some of the other people like Deatrick Nichols and Deandre Alford and, the, and those guys wondering, are they going to get NFL shots? Not a lot of guys come in as rookie corners in the CFL and are named, are named all-stars. So they're going to get opportunity. Drew Desjardins is getting a lot of interest down South. You know, he's a guy that a lot of the guys on the Bombers offensive linemen may be a bit underappreciated when you, when you line up beside guys like Stanley Bryan and Jamarcus Hardrick and, you know, whatever. Um, but he's a guy that those guys on the line like Pat Newfeld and Adam Big Hill referred to as like some, one of the best offensive linemen, um, uh, uh, the, some of the best offensive linemen in the game. So um, anyway, so like, you know, those are a lot of factors that will come into play um, and, and and determine whether or not you know, this team looks like they did in 2021. But if there's anybody who wants to come, if if there's a team where players want to come back, if it's not Hamilton, it's certainly Winnipeg because you want to be part of a team that went back to back. You want to be a part of a team that has Mike O'Shea as its head coach. You want to be part of a team that's building something extremely special and treats their players extremely well. So all those factors that used to be hindrances to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are now massive assets. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a very, very good team suit up in 2022. Well,
1: everyone seems to want to play for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, it was even featured on The Simpsons last night. An entire team leaving the field, jumping onto the Winnipeg Blue Bombers bus to go try their luck in the Canadian Football League, and I had to laugh about that. But that sort of reminded me about the thirty to thirty-five DBs that came to training camp last year. And you mentioned Alfred and Nichols, and Alfred was getting winded dine by the Detroit Lions this past week. Um, you know, hoping to get you know a legitimate N- uh, NFL shot um but there may be the situation if those guys do get those opportunities that the bombers are in a similar situation going into camp next year with some uncertainty at that position um but i guess the key thing is are you able to get willie J and jackson jeff coat back and the key players on offense and do you think it'll be an issue to get zach caleros done i mean especially when we're seeing what's happening with quarterback salaries in some of the other markets i think we've Topped out, and now some of these numbers are coming down. Um, um, any thoughts that the Bombers may
0: have an issue getting the guy that was the uh, MOP in the big game back? Remember when I said I didn't have like a ton of insight about Andrew Harris playing, but I was 100% positive that he was going to be playing? I'm 100% sure that Zach Claros is coming back to the Bombers. I, you know, I just, you know, the culture that they built here, maybe I, I hope I'm not jinxing that for fans, and I don't think I would be, but, but I do think that as you know, just, everything he's been able to accomplish like this isn't a guy first of all this is not a guy who chases money you know I, obviously he i you know like any player wants to get paid his value there's no argument to that whatsoever but there's also a guy who who is committed to this team is in love you know absolutely loves mike o'Shea absolutely loves his teammates absolutely loves what winnipeg is building here you know there's a lot of things we talked about over the year that have allowed him to be you know the the the, the most outstanding player in in the in the in the league and then most outstanding player in the great cup he's got an o line in front of him that is very good you know there's things that you just there's things that you know you got to be careful when you're deciding on where you want to where you want to be um an o line and, and and weapons at receiver and just overall team culture It, it are are big 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 things to zach Clarus. and you know you know that you know he understands um, the value and all those things, and so like you know, I I've joked with him, you know, in the last few weeks of the season, and even over Grey Cup week, about you know, ask, you know how much leverage he's going to take to the you know the negotiating room and what kind of value he says he knows he knows what's in front of him. He knows that he's got you know the the script to give you know his, the Bombers and 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 get paid big money, but he also understands the importance of having that money available to other skilled players and if you want all that to come back you kind of need to be the leader and all that and you know I'm not I'm not going to suggest he's going to come out here and not get a pay raise and and not try to get you know good money but he ain't he ain't getting Mike Riley money and he ain't getting Bo Levi Mitchell money because we all know that that kind of money just you know I'm not sure those guys are getting and, that money it, anymore lead to you know, all those things that I had mentioned that make playing football in this league uh, enjoyable particularly for a quarterback. Yeah, I'm
1: not sure uh, those guys are getting Mike Radley and Bo Levi-Mitchell money anymore going forward, to be honest with you. Hey, very <laughs> yeah. quickly on the way Unless out, a really... a money tree. <laughs> we had an interesting conversation with Andrew Harris yesterday, or last week, heading into the new year. Um, and I asked him, you know, how much has he thought about 2022? What does he think about going forward? And certainly, think... he certainly came across that he feels like he still has a little bit more gas in the tank. I mean, uh, do you expect Harris to be
0: a bomber next season? You know, it's a fascinating question. Uh... I don't know, like, it, there's there's more factors to this than just whether or not Andrew Harris wants to play. You know, there's money that goes into this, there's roles, I mean, you have a guy like Brady Oliveira and Johnny Augustine, assuming they're both back, you know, for next season, what's their role gonna be? You know, ask ask Brady Oliveira, and he is ready. Like, he is ready <laughs> to take the rock. Like, he is hungry. He, you know, as cool as passing the torch would be, he will rip the torch from Andrew Harris' hands, If he gets the opportunity with the most respect possible for number 33. So I think there's a lot of things that need to be put into play here. You know, when I wrote about, you know, kind of his fate or his future over Grey cup, I said to him, I said, well, did you not? Because the thing that stuck out to me was he didn't like ending the season the way it did. And I'm not talking about the Grey cup. Obviously that's ideal. It's ending the season without playing a full season. You know, for a guy who takes pride in his health and all those things to, to have the season that he had and pretty much to sit out of a majority of it, only to come back in the playoffs, um, you know, doesn't sit well with him. Whereas I thought that would be an indicator for him, like, wow, I don't need to play all season. You know what, <laughs> what I mean? Like, I get healthy in the offseason, you know, figure things out, play a play, a, you know, obviously take a cut if you're not going to be playing all the games, but maybe maybe just kind of play. A, a mentorship role for another season and try to go back to back to back I, you know it's interesting cuz he said that Sunday's game Grey Cup would would factor significantly into his decision and i'm still not 100% sure if that meant riding off into the sunset or Coming back to do something even crazier the next year and maybe go back to back to back so i think that's going to be a wait and see approach i think andrew harris is not going to be quick to make up his mind he's going to see how his body feels here the next couple of months i think it's going to factor into what he does this offseason if he has that you know that you know if he you know as you mentioned to me in that story you know watching highlights whether it's the bombers gray cup or nfl and stuff like that if if that gets the juices going and gets him dedicated to being into the gym i think we've all kind of learned over the last few years here is you can't really count out number 33 so we'll see what happens it's certainly a a, a big a big big plot line in what's going to be an interesting offseason here for the blue and gold
1: hammer glad to hear you're feeling better happy new year to you my friend uh, have a great week and uh, we'll talk to you next week
0: here on wst always great always a pleasure to be on thanks for having me on you got a great guest and Rennie coming up here like to see that guy's face in the in the behind the scenes screen here um yeah. Thanks again, and uh, thanks to the, to the to the watchers and uh, commenters, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's start off twenty twenty two with a bang. You got it. Have a great one, pal. There he is, Jeff Hamilton
1: of the Winnipeg Free Press. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff K Hamilton, and check out his work covering sports in the Free. Uh, hey, a big shout out to our friends at Manitoba Battery. The- This is their busiest time of year. Why? Because a lot of people thought, ah, I can squeeze out another year out of the battery. Eh, Maybe not. Um, You know, right now with the weather being a little bit nicer out relatively, I believe we're at minus 17 today, might be a great time to pop by Manitoba Battery at 1026 Logan Avenue for a free battery test. You'll find out how much juice you have left in that sucker. And if you do need a new one, you can get all the great products at the best prices in town. 89 50 with core exchange automotive batteries beginning at over at manitoba battery now it's far more than just automotive batteries they'll get you ready for skidoo season with batteries for all makes and models usually running between 65 and 75 dollars. but go to their website manitobabattery.com for more or give them a call at 783-8787 they do of course have delivery services citywide as well if, uh, if the car is not moving and you need it taken care of, delivered to you. Um, hey, a big Happy New Year to Royal Sports. You know, Royal's been with us forever. And certainly we're one of the first companies that were on with us from day one of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, big Boxing Week sale. Finishing up right now at Royal, but as we get into 2022, whether it's for hockey gear, snowboard gear, licensed merchandise from the Grey Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers or the Winnipeg Jets, Royal Sports is the place to be. And when you pop by 750 Pembina Highway, make sure you check out all the cool stuff and big savings on the other side of the store over at Kings Skate Snow and Surf. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for all the latest deals and merchandise dropping over at Royal sports and happy new year. To not auto corp as well. New year, new ride. If you're thinking about that, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the gang down at not auto corp Waverly and McGillivray. Dozens of Teslas on the lot, some beautiful SUVs and more. And if there's a particular car you're looking to source out, talk to them. They'll help you find it at a great price over at Not Auto Corp. And, of course, the Winnipeg Car Lab going as well. Wraps, striping, tinting, rims, and more all available over at Waverly-McGillivray. For more information, find out online at not.ca. All right. uh, Continuing our first program of 2022. Coming in hot after resuming post-game activities with one Ken Weeb off the DL last night. It is Rennie of Kenny Rennie fame. You know him, Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet. Sean, best of the season to you, my friend. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I mean, it's a, it's a weird time right now. I was just happy to have a damn hockey game back to be honest with you yesterday. I mean, there's not a lot for us to do right now. We're uh, all supposed to be sort of taking it easy. Um, Licensed establishments are closing early now. Um, People are dealing with a lot. So uh, honestly, even if it was smack dab in the middle of NFL Sunday, I was grateful to have a jets game yesterday and not Certainly the final result, it was an exciting game to watch. It had a lot going on, and uh, certainly for fans here in Winnipeg, the bottom line was the Jets got a very important two points coming out of of the gate after a two-week break, and it's a team that, while definitely depleted with some of their top players out of the lineup, still a first-place club, Sean, and a team that had played a couple times heading into the game that was in a very different place as to where the Winnipeg Jets were coming out, of, for all intents and purposes, a mini-training camp under their new head coach. Yeah,
3: for sure. Tons of advantages for that Vegas team. Um, And you're right. The players that they're missing are significant. Max Pacioretty is out. He was one of the three stars of December. Uh, You got Mark Stone out, who may be, you know, the, the, the best combination of offensive and defensive forward in the entire league. You're missing their starting goaltender, Uh, I mean, that that was not the Vegas Golden Knights, but to me, that's not the part that was important. I think, you know, maybe a month ago, two months ago, the Winnipeg Jets would have looked at that game as a measuring stick game. I think the measuring stick has to be put away for a while, and nothing else matters other than getting the points. And I thought that the Jets handled last night's game in a way that a team was focused on two things and two things solely was getting those two points. I liked how they did it. I liked how they played their way back in the game. Uh, but, but what I liked most of all, I think is Dave Lowry's idea of, and I I don't want to make this sound like this is Dave Lowry's idea entirely. Paul Maurice had been trying to do this. The reason he walked away from the team is I think because he didn't feel he could get them to do this, where they kind of change their offense, change a little bit of who they are, and get to the net and start creating offense in different ways. We know this team is skilled. We know they're silky. We know they can do the seam pass better than anyone else in the league. But can they grind out victories? And I think a lot of times in the past, what we've seen from the Jets is when they score their way back into games, they do it in kind of flashier ways, uh, finding that seam pass, capitalizing on little mistakes the other teams make, and they get their way back into the games into games with their skill. Uh, but the thing is, those mistakes that they capitalize on in the regular season start disappearing towards the end of the regular season and into the playoffs. And that's why it seems like the Jets just seem to run out of luck towards the end of the seasons and in the playoffs when they're trying to play their way back into games. I thought last night was a really, really good example of what Dave Lowry was trying to get this team to do. The goals that they scored were gritty, hard-nosed goals. Uh, They got back into that game the right way. If the Jets keep playing that style of hockey, I think it bodes well for them.
1: Um, anyone stand to gain more by these opportunities and the way that he's playing and what Dave Lowry is trying to instill in his club than Jansen Harkins, who uh, certainly made the most of his time playing alongside Dubois and Connor yesterday?
3: Yeah, and I mean, hey, there's there's still, I think, the idea that, uh, you know, Christian Veseline comes back. I think he probably gets a crack back in there. When Blake Wheeler gets back, I think one of those two guys is probably moving out of there as well. So if you're Jansen Harkins, you're looking at this not so much as an audition for a part that you're going to lock away. But I think with a new head coach, you're you're looking to tell that head coach that, look, if you provide opportunity for me, I'm going to go out and I'm going to make the most that opportunity so i add a guy like christian reichel in there as well and i think the thing about that is if you can leave those players feeling like that if you can leave jansen harkins and christian reichel feeling like they were given an opportunity to show what they were capable of doing um then i think that 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 idea kind of permeates not just the winnipeg jets but it makes its way down to, to the Manitoba Moose as well. And I think if you start creating that feeling that there's opportunity and, you know, the coach is noticing when you capitalize on that opportunity, I think it's good for for the organization. We, we were talking about it on the show last night. This seems to be the first time in a long time that we've talked about young players coming up and jumping in and capitalizing on an opportunity. You talked about our show last night. We talked a lot about Jansen Harkins and Christian Reichel. When's the last time you talked about, you know, you know, periphery players on the Winnipeg Jets like that w- with so much, you know, uh, interest. And in, and I think a lot of that has to do is with the opportunity that's being provided. And it may be pointing us to a different kind of philosophy with the Winnipeg Jets, where guys who capitalize on their opportunities, it starts to open up their future for them.
1: Well, and let's touch on Reichel for a minute because he is such a great story. I mean, he's been within the organization for four years, but I mean, this was a young man that was undrafted, that signed you know, a tryout contract with the Manitoba Moose, ended up earning a contract. A couple years later, he gets a two-way deal. And then there he is making his NHL debut this year. And I think a lot of us thought that was maybe just the situation, got in for one game and that was it. Um, I was maybe a little bit surprised that he got the call on a very important role playing with Lowry and Kopp. And uh, lo and behold, there's the kid scoring a massive goal, his first in the National Hockey League to get the team tied up last night and played some important minutes last night.
3: Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who are, you know, and I believe me, I know the Cole Perfetti watch has been on for a long time as has the Vili Hainala watch. There's fans who are dying to see those players play. There's fans that are very angry that they're not seeing those players play, but I do think that, you know, Christian Reichel came up, practiced the right way. You can see that in practice, guys like him. Like, he's made an imprint on this team already. You see when he, after he played his first game, he's up sharing the podium beside Mark Shifley. They already got a nickname for him you know that he's in practice everyone is kind of laughing along with him getting along with him so he came up and he did this right he he made his imprint on the team even though he only had a couple minutes to play in his first game but he gets that opportunity because I think he did all those things right so that's the opportunity we're talking about he gets a second crack at it here and he only builds on that so I think I'm not saying that this is Christian Reichel's path to being a full-time Winnipeg Jet I don't think that that's the case but I do think that he's he's given himself uh an opportunity here to kind of lock himself into the mind's of the Winnipeg Jets coaches as being a potential NHL player. And, you know, when you're a guy like Christian Reichel, who, like you said, comes from nothing, comes from, you know, not being drafted and is just trying to fight his way in, he has just fought himself another step up the ladder. And believe me, that's going to keep a guy like that motivated. And if you can keep your young guys motivated rather than sitting and feeling as though there's, you know, kind of a glass ceiling they can't break through, that's that's the feeling you want to create within your organization. Well, you know, and you mentioned Veselinen. Um Am I hearing you correctly?
1: You think that, you know, in a game or two, Veselainen's going to be that guy that's uh, up uh, ahead of a player like Harkins. And I'll just preface this by saying, like, I'm not sure that that's there. I mean, I still I know the organization has had hope for Veselainen. But I mean, when you compare a lot of the players that have had opportunities, I mean, he'd be toward the top. And I don't think he's made enough of it to be frank, Sean, and up, uh, you know, with a new head coach and guys that have maybe spent a lot of time playing with Dave Lowry after practices, press box guys, Harkins right at the top of the list. I think there's some guys that have shown in the short term that. I mean, maybe they're ahead of him on the pecking orders for his opportunities. Bottom line is when Veselainen does get another chance playing outside of the fourth line role, I think it'll be imperative for for him to be productive uh, because I think we're seeing right now there's a number of other players knocking on the door saying, hey, coach, don't forget
3: about me you're beating a drum that I broke a number of drumsticks on through this year because I've been doing this since training camp. I mean, it was clear in training camp and, you know, I talk about those players that fans are, you know, the, the, the Hainalas, the Perfettis that fans are kind of begging for David Gustafson's another one of those. And we talked about this, like if, you go back to training camp at the beginning of the season. David Gustafson was really not given an opportunity to try and make this team. Cole Perfetti, we talk about in that camp how he showed well and he kind of moved his way up and made his way onto the opening camp, or, or sorry, opening day roster. I don't think any of us expected that to stay. I think we saw him going back, but he was at least given the opportunity to play his way onto that roster. David Gustafson wasn't. So if you're taking a look at players who were. Kind of provided with opportunity. You're right. No, none of those players were given as much opportunity as Christian Veselainen has been given this season. At every single turn, the Jets have put Christian Veselainen in, in a place to succeed, in a place to capitalize on his opportunities they clearly think that he's a player who could break out offensively the numbers though so far say he hasn't done that um and, and i i couldn't agree with you more i i do think that if i was a player like christian bestline and i was seeing right now what's happened with jansen harkins what's happening with Christian Reichel, uh, seeing Cole Perfetti and what he's doing down on the farm, what he did in that short little tryout, not tryout, but that short little stint that he had in the World Juniors, is a guy who is pushing to get to the next level and create a spot for himself. And I, I just think that you know th- th- these are the things that we'll be watching out for when it comes to David, Dave Lowry's tenure with the Winnipeg Jets. I do think that there was a clear and established hierarchy under Paul Maurice that I think frustrated players at times. I think it frustrated fans at times. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see now because we're seeing tiny little signs of it. I'm not saying that Dave Lowry has turned the paradigm on its head and he's just providing opportunities left, right, and center for players that were never there before. But we are seeing things that I don't necessarily think we would have seen where Paul Maurice still coaching this team. And we're seeing the players who are getting those little bit of opportunities react to those opportunities in a positive way. So if I'm Christian Veseline and I'm taking a look around and I'm starting to see, that the players I view as my competition for ice time are getting things done with their ice time that I'm not. And I'm thinking if Dave Lowry is the guy who is responding to seeing this guy is doing what I'm asking him to do. He's going to get more opportunity. I, If I'm Christian Veseline and I'm taking a look at what's happening and thinking it's time for me, if I haven't figured this out yet, it's time for me to do it because if I don't figure it out soon, these opportunities are going to get less and less for me and more and more for players like Cole Profetti, Christian Reichel, and Jensen Harkins.
1: Uh, Sean Reynolds sports Sportsnet with this here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Let's touch on Perfetti. I mean, count me as one of the people that would have loved to have seen him in the lineup. And I thought there was maybe an opportunity to do that, um, you know, with him having played some meaningful games, being practicing, uh, you know, with the club. Um, but that wasn't the case yesterday. And then, to be honest, the two spots where I think that if you were going to put Perfetti into the lineup you know, on that right wing of line number two, or potentially Arkins, with Copp and yeah. Lowry. Harkins yeah. and Reichel, pretty tough to take them out of the lineup after the way that they performed last night. How do you see this working with Perfetti just in the short term over the course of this road trip? Does he get in a game? And if that isn't the case, um, how soon is he back with the Manitoba Moose playing big minutes?
3: Well, I I see Cole Perfetti as being someone that, uh, you know, Dave Lowry, I I think from what we've seen so far, uh, he's tweaking things. He's doing things differently than Paul Maurice did. But the overarching philosophy, I think, for him is the same. What he's trying to achieve right now and changing the way the team plays is exactly what Paul Maurice was trying to do. Didn't think he could get there. Uh, and I think he handed the reins over to Dave Lowry saying, Dave, take take a stab at this. I think that you can possibly pull this off. So I think that th- th- there's not an entire culture shift within the Winnipeg Jets with Dave Lowry being at the forefront. And, you know, Kevin Dayoff is still going to think the way that they do. So one of the things I, I-, I do think I see... Paul Perfetti is being in, you know, kind of the vein of a a Kyle Connor or even a Patrick Line type player. More Kyle Connor, let's say, uh, because Kyle Connor did spend some time with the Manitoba Moose. But the idea back when those players were making it onto the Winnipeg Jets is Paul Maurice used to say it all the time. He wanted those players to go from playing this role in the AHL and jump right up to playing the same role at the NHL level. So their idea wasn't you start out on the fourth line and you grind, you learn how to be a grinder. Then you go to the third line and you start to learn how do you know, add a little offense to your game. And then you go to the second line and get some opportunities and work your way up to the first line. Um, You know, Kyle Connor basically went from a first-line player in the AHL to a second-slash-first-line player in the NHL. I think that that's what the Winnipeg Jets want to do with uh, Cole Perfetti. So you are entirely right. When you start talking about the places where you could have seen him going, the only place I could have seen him going was alongside uh, Dubois and Connor in that spot that Harkins is in. So the problem with that is you don't necessarily if you're dave lowry want to show the players who've been grinding and trying to get to those spots that someone can just jump in and take their job because then you're taking away that motivation that you were talking about just three or four minutes ago, right? The Harkins went out and he proved that he could do something. So he's filling that role right now. You don't necessarily need Cole Perfetti to fill that role. And Reichel is doing the job on the third line. So you don't necessarily need Cole Perfetti to go into that spot. But what you do need is Cole Perfetti to play a lot of hockey and just continue to get better and better and better because he is going to be one of your top guys and he He's going to be that soon, and when I say soon, I'm thinking probably more along the lines of next year and the seasons after that, but you want to make sure that he's developing properly, so if there's not a spot on the team that you need him for, maybe you just need him to develop better. That's what I think the philosophy is. A lot of people aren't going to agree with that because they think that he's ready for showtime, and maybe he is. But the Winnipeg Jets, uh, this is the one thing that everyone always has to think about. You have to manage personalities. You have to manage and keep different people motivated. And so that that's part of the equation here that a lot of times fans I don't think think about. They just think grab this player, plug him in, let everything go. They don't think about who's getting mad when that guy goes in there. They don't think about who feels they've had an opportunity stolen for them. And they don't th- think about how that may affect the roster and the motivation of the roster. That's what Dave Lowry is balancing right now. And in three games, it looks like he's doing a pretty good job of
1: it. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that. I mean, it's always sort of ranked me. I mean, I've made the comment that the Jets at times have seen like a union shop and it was done. You know, this guy has had, uh, he's been here longer. So He's just going to be in that position until and, and I mean I think for Dave Lowry, hey, he's an interim head coach. I mean, let's face facts. I mean, he's got to win hockey games. He needs his team to make the playoffs. He needs to show improvement. Um, and I think he's gonna play the guys that he thinks each and every night give him the best chance to win hockey games. And as far as per- Perfetti goes, and I know people might be frustrated that he didn't get right into the lineup, and we'll see what happens over these next couple games. But I'll say this, and this unfortunately is just the reality that we're living in. Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler and Andrew Kopp and Christian Vesaline have COVID. Everyone have had it so far this year, so they're somewhat out of the woods right now. No one else has had it. I mean, of the to- yeah. it's. I think it's unreasonable to think that the Jets won't get hit at some point with some players out of the lineup. So Agreed. maybe more so than any regular season, there's gonna be a time where the need is there and Cole Perfetti gets a chance to go in and look. You mentioned it with Kyle Connor. Um, Josh Morrissey was the same way. I mean, they finally got into the lineup due to injury and basically played so well that the coach wasn't about to take them out. And I really sort of do think that's the path for Pep Freddy at some point this season to get in the lineup. And
3: uh, we'll see what he does with that chance as to whether he sticks around. No doubt, no doubt. And I think that this year what there is built in, and I've talked about this coming into this season, the weakness I saw for this team was, you know the bottom six and I know that you know when the way the season started Statsny and Lowry were on that third line so it sounds almost ridiculous to talk about the bottom six and I, I guess that's it but w- what I did think is you know I, I don't necessarily think as good as Statsny is I don't think he creates the type of third line that they're looking for and we've clearly seen this and there's been an, there was an admission of this from Paul Maurice before he left that That he wasn't using Adam Lowry the way he has in the past because he didn't have the personnel alongside him to play the kind of game that they want him to play. So, the one thing I would say to your point about, you know, getting into the lineup and playing and not getting taken out. There's move, There's players now that could get pushed out. You know, like if, if someone comes in, if Cole Perfetti comes in and just plays to the degree that you cannot take him out of the lineup and you start pushing guys down to the bottom of the lineup, well, we talked about it. Christian and he can move down, right? You can do that with him. As a guy like Dominic Toninato, if you're getting to the stage where the future is knocking on the door and pushing the present out, well, a guy like Dominic Toninato you're not going to sacrifice that player in his his production for a player like Dominic Toninato. So up and down that lineup, or sorry, along the bottom of the lineup, there's room to squeeze guys out. So there is opportunity there. Uh, the the question, I guess, if we get to that, comes to the idea that if we take a look at how Dave Lowry's running the bench, there still is a little bit of an idea along, you know, from what we saw from Paul Maurice, that the fourth line kind of doesn't exist. You know, it's it's not really something well, the that the center keeps getting injured
1: five minutes into the game every time <laughs> we have a fourth At least since Gustafson's been in, I mean, the guy's got—he is the walking caricature of Murphy's Law with a Jets jersey on right now.
3: Oh, you know what? The 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 Gus Bus is the worst nickname for him because it's just too easy to talk about him blowing a tire or you know (laughs) there goes the carburetor or whatever. Too many people. There's too many parts on a bus that could go wrong, so every time he gets injured, you can apply it to it, but. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, we'll, we'll see how Dave Lowry uses the fourth line going forward. So far, it seems like he's he's similar to Paul Maurice and the idea that he's a little top three heavy. Uh, but uh, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, the one thing that we do know about the Winnipeg Jets is they've got guys pushing. We can clearly see that now. So if they wanted to try and take a more balanced approach, it looks like there's enough guys uh, on the farm who, who are pushing and want to get there that they could take that approach.
1: All right, let's talk about Mark Shifley. I needed to have you on today because I think my takes of last month have been somewhat misrepresented. I will get to that in a second. But let me okay. ask you, okay. right now, under Dave Lowry, um, what do you make of Shifley's situation? How different, if at all, is it from when Paul Maurice was the head coach?
3: Uh, well, I think it's different because I, I, I think Paul, when when Shifley and uh, Wheeler went out with COVID, I think that they went out, and when he brought them back, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor were playing so well together that you you just simply could not break them up. Um, But I do think in the end, Paul Maurice wanted to. I think that's what he always wanted to get back to that Kyle Connor, Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley line. So he had Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler together with Adam Lowry in the third line, although that really, he never saw it that way, and the minutes didn't suggest he saw it that way either. But it clearly wasn't working. And then he decided to split those two guys up so that he could keep Kyle Connor and Pierre Dubois together and try Wheeler there. And Wheeler just didn't really go. So he wanted to get back to that dynamic of those three players. Now, Dave Lowry comes in here and we don't have Blake Wheeler uh, playing in any of the games that he's coached. So we don't know what his philosophy is going to be on that. But I do think that he so far is taking a look at, 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 uh, at, at what's working and kind of leaving what's working alone and changing only what he needs to do As he goes, and let's just keep in mind, this is an extremely small sample size. Three games, we're we're guessing at a lot of this kind of stuff. We're trying to draw inferences, but let's be honest, it's it's not enough of a sample size to know this. But my guess with this is is he's got got, uh, Mark Scheifele playing alongside Stastny and Ehlers, and those guys seem happy. And I think that the happiness of that line means that line's going to kind of go untouched for a while. And I think Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor are starting to show a little bit of the magic we saw from them earlier on. So I think what we're going to see from this is a bit of a follow from Dave Lauer on what we were talking about before. I think Dave is going to go kind of with what works and, and, and try and just let it run for a while, right? Not try and take and make it work in the way that it works with specific personnel. Like we saw with Palmer. He's always trying to get back to Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. So that's how I think he would handle him differently. I think he's got stats with him because he wants that kind of veteran presence to kind of help with the defense. Uh, the, so I, I, I think that's what we're seeing from it. I think where you're going to get with the conversation here is kind of talking about Shifley's defensive game and where he's at with that. I know a lot of fans, you know, are questioning of that side of his game. Uh, and, and there's a right to be like that. You know, Ken always makes a really good point about it is that, like, you know, no one talks about Patrick Kane's defensive game. Some players are there and out there to score points, right? And Mark Shifley sees himself in that vein. Is he the most defensive uh centerman in the league not even close uh but he's he's the player that he is so i think uh dave lowry's got him in a place where he feels he can mitigate that and at least still try and get the best out of him with a balance that allows other lines to shine as well
1: yeah no i mean i think that's a good take and i think that's accurate um so going back to what I had said before, and again, I, you know, this, I can't remember what week this was, I think actually it was ironically after the Arizona game. And, you know, we were looking at where the team was and, and there was a lot of talk at the time where heating up, a lot of heat was coming in on Paul Maurice. And right. like, I think many of us thought that Paul Maurice wasn't going to get fired or at any point in the near future. Now, what ended up happening, I think was somewhat unexpected. It was stunning the way that it happened and when it happened. Mm-hmm. But the bigger question is, if you if if you feel that something needs to change with this club, like with the makeup of the team going forward, and I'm not talking about in the next week or two weeks, but big picture with the way this club is, I think you analyze every aspect of the club and the personnel. And, you know, in my opinion right now with where the club, I mean, let's face it, there were a couple of years ago, Maurice was talking about building a statue of Scheifele outside, outside of Canada Life Centre. Um, And there's been some ups and downs, especially for Shifley so far this year. And when I look at the Winnipeg Jets right now, I see a team that's not Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler, and then a supporting cast. I see Kyle Connor, I see Nikolai (laughs) Ehlers, and maybe most importantly, I see a Pierre-Luc Dubois, a younger player coming in that, for my money so far, has been the number one center for the Winnipeg Jets this year and a guy that I'd probably trust more playing against top competition in a 200-foot game come playoff time or come a huge game. So to me, everything has changed a little bit. Now again, this was all a conversation based on if you're not changing the coach, looking ahead, what would you change? And I guess my point was, in the past, the thought of Mark Shifley not being a Jet for life was ludicrous. Um, and I guess where I'm at right now, and a big part of it is the contract, Sean. I mean, you can't have these yeah. conversations without thinking about the cap and where you are. Mark Scheifele on a real value deal right now with two more seasons after this. A huge decision is going to be made about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, and Ken, as you guys talked about it last night, and anyone that read, that's read his predictions for the upcoming year, his prediction, and I kind of subscribe to this, is that Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to get the richest contract in Jets history, both on an AAV and a total value. Now. Best case scenario, the Jets find a way to have both Dubois and Shifley here long term. But when you're including Ehlers and Hellebuck and all these other guys, I mean, at a certain point, you make you have very difficult um, questions that have to be asked and have to be answered. And, and again, this isn't about this season, but when you get to next summer, I think that the decisions are going to be, uh, they could be foundational when it comes to, are you signing pierre Luc dubois to that long-term deal what does that mean for his role in the club going forward and if at a certain point and i'm not sure it's possible with all the other players that we mentioned to have both of those guys inked long term a new deal for dubois and an extension for mark shifley with a guy like cole perfetti coming along and Chaz lucius a couple years away that all of a sudden we have to start thinking about the long-term hockey club that might not be mark shifley being the first ever player that was drafted by the winnipeg jets and playing his entire career here in winnipeg and um you know part of it's the play of other players the emergence of other players um that and part of it is the fact that you know mark shifley justifiably is going to want a massive massive deal i mean many people have floated out the fact that you know there was some regret from him for the number that he signed for the length of the deal that he signed and that's totally up to him um but i do really see some it, it far less a sure thing that we just continue with the status quo going forward and i think maybe pierre luc dubois future has the biggest uh, will have the biggest effect on that not to mention the wants and needs of shifley and i guess just to round it up if you do sign this deal with dubois you know that it's probably not going to end with another extension for mark shifley Considering the guys that are pushing into the lineup, an asset like Shifley that can score the way he can on the contract that he's on with two years remaining. You want to talk about an asset, Sean. I mean, that would be something that would um, that could absolutely take care of a number of other things if your team is in a transition period, which
3: they might be at the end of this season. So I think it was on your show and you you were talking with Jeff Hamilton and, and, and you brought it up. It was the first time I saw anyone bring it up, which is why I always so I hope I'm not I haven't misrepresented you in the past Uh, like i'm not pushing to
1: trade him right now like i just want to make that clear this isn't like hey you know what oh the team's not playing well hey get 55 out of town it's just that to me i think our conversations about the winnipeg jets right now are very different when you look into the future and i think what was insane to talk about a couple years ago is something that if you want to have that into next summer conversation about where this team goes from here, I think it's far from a sure thing that Mark Shifley's just the next captain in a jet for life, and he is the guy here, considering a lot of the other players that are going to be pushing for that job as well.
3: Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And so I I agree with everything that you've said. And I I think... That I I I bring it up all the time, and I bring your name along with it because I I want to give you credit because the question needs to be asked. It's the it's the these are the kind of questions that have to be asked, and it's a healthy sports media environment when people are asking that question. So that I bring that up because I want to give you credit for it. I think what I what I take away from that is after that there seemed to be a real dearth of sports fans in the city who were suddenly just like. That's it. Let's trade Mark Shifley. He's not <laughs> playing that good right now. Let's trade Mark Shifley. And my response to it is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's hold on a second here. So let's touch on a couple points that you just made there. I don't think there's room going forward for both Pierre-Luc Dubois and Mark Shifley on their next contracts. You've got two years of team control with Pierre-Luc Dubois after this and three years. Is it of uh, uh, team control with Mark Shifley after that, or is it only two years after just this? two more? It's just two more. So they basically, one comes in and one walks out the door. I do not think there's enough room for both those players uh, when it comes to contracts. Although with with uh, uh, with Blake Wheeler, maybe he restructures, maybe he doesn't come back. There's going to be some money. But I still don't think there's enough room for both those two players. So you're asking all the right questions. This is just my take. At some point, and it all depends on when you would decide to trade him, if you're trading him, you could get a lot of stuff for Mark safely that would maybe round out the team and really set it up going forward well when you've got guys like... Paul Perfetti coming in, and maybe Chaz Lucius, and all the next. And now you've got your leader Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor still there doing his thing, and Ehlers is still do, there doing his thing. And if you can keep Connor Hellebuck there, you've got Connor Hellebuck doing his thing. And it all sounds good, but my take on this is just like you've amassed this insane amount of talent that you have with this Winnipeg Jets team here but I think you know and people love to talk about Ehlers and they love to talk about you know uh, Kyle Connor and they love to talk about what we're seeing from Pierre-Luc Dubois and they should because they're phenomenal players but in my mind none of those players have ever come close to accomplishing what Mark Shifley routinely accomplishes year after year after year, going up against high level talent, you know, being the focus of the other team, trying to shut him down year after year. Mark Shifley has proven that he can, he, he can get this done. And one of the points we made on the show last night is he unequivocally has shown that he can get it done in the playoffs. Like this is, this is a question mark. So I know what you're saying about. Well, Piro he did it once. once.
1: I mean, and listen, that Nashville series and the Nashville run, that route, I mean, he was, that was the height of Mark Shifley. I mean, he was incredible. What do you have, 14 goals in 17 games? And he was that driver that everyone believed. When Maurice was talking about building a statue, he was thinking about that guy. For but sure, for I sure. But I mean, I hate to say it. I mean, the St. Louis series was i mean was on and off for that entire crew but i mean his second half of that season was miserable um i think that was a big part of what happened to the team in the playoffs you can't blame him for getting hurt in the bubble with the Kachuk incident and then you know of course
3: there's not you know, a lot there's not a lot of it to talk about after that, but a lot of it has to do with because he got injured. But a lot of the conversation last season is the Jets couldn't get past Montreal because they lost Mark Shifley They he was that important. And I don't and I've been on record saying I don't think that. Listen, if you're gonna give Mark if you're gonna say the Jets would have won that series with Mark Shifley, then give him the heart trophy because he's the most valuable player on, on of to, to the Winnipeg Jets of any player to any other team in the NHL if he's that good and he creates that much of a swing i i'm just saying we've seen him do it in the playoffs before he's got we know he can get it done at that time of year we know that he basically is a point per game player and i just think i i don't think enough people are looking and saying you brought you brought it up right there he had 14 goals in 17 games Dear Luke Dubois has 14 goals in 30 games this season. He's not quite a point-per-game player right now, and there's a lot of people out there who are saying, let's switch out Mark Shifley and get him out of here because we've got the new guy, and the new guy has never shown that he can do what the old guy could do and the old guy has done right up until last season. So that that's my whole thing. And I, I'm not saying I'm not saying you don't explore that, Hus, because maybe you go down that road. I guess I'm ju- I'm talking mostly about the reaction to the question of trading Mark Shifley. It seems to me a lot of the people who are like let's hop on this and get this guy out of town are are the people who are really not taking a look and remembering just how magnificent a Winnipeg Jet this player has been and he, what he's done to build this organization and what he's still capable of doing. So my, my response to all that, and I know there's going to be money that's got to you know, be spent to keep Pierre-Luc Dubois around, but my whole idea is uh, maybe Mark Shifley is the kind of player that you never trade and you keep him to the end of your contract. And after that contract, he walks away in free agency and that's it. But at least over the next two years, you keep... A point per game player who's got it done in the playoffs and has the capability to take over games on your roster as you try and make a push for your window, right? Because we're talking about this window, and I just don't like the idea of opening the window and then closing it up a little bit every year, and then opening it again and closing it up. If you trade away Mark Siffling, unless you get you know phenomenal deals that make make it work. Right now, and it's hard to find those deals. I think you start closing up the window, and it's a little harder to squeeze the Stanley Cup through it.
1: Yeah, for sure. And listen, it's an absolute non starter that we are not talking about this year, but we're talking about you're sitting in the general manager's office and realizing that, whoa, there's two years left on this incredibly valuable deal for Mark Shifley. And I mean, to me, maybe the guy that influences the options for a general manager the most. Is Cole Perfetti himself. And we might not find that out at all this year. It might be more next year. But I'll tell you what, if I'm a general man, if I'm Kevin Chevalier off and I get Pierre-Luc Dubois signed long-term, and he's a guy we know we're gonna have for a long time, and you've got Cole Perfetti on an entry-level deal, if he's able to come in and play in that role and thrive, um, you know, at a certain point you realize, okay, I've got a lot of assets right here, and you know, I far would rather get. Some real solid value for a player and a contract like Mark Scheifele's, as opposed to letting him walk out the door. That being said, you don't do it at the expense, to your point, of closing a window that you've been building up for a number of years to get to. I mean, Elabuck's contracts there. Wheeler's contracts a little different because I think we'd all agree he sort of earned a lot of that money earlier in the season. Um, and then you got three more years of Healers, and you got four more years of Kyle Connor right now. So. Yeah. Um, it isn't. It is an interesting one. Would you, how many untouchables are there on the Winnipeg Jets this season? Do you think?
3: Well, in Kevin Chevaldeo's mind, I think most of them are, and I think most of them have been for years. Like I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think he moves a lot of those guys unless he's getting huge, huge, huge assets in return. But I don't think he's. I don't think he's ever thought. He did about trade moving... Patrick
1: Laine. I mean, let's. You know, let's.
3: But Patrick Laine, I mean, Patrick Laine made it clear he wanted out. That's what it took. Even with a guy like Evander Kane, not that he wasn't, trying to move Evander Kane, but Evander Kane had to make the situation entirely untenable before Kevin Cheveldayoff would move him and still got very, very good value out of it. I mean, I, I like, look at that. I don't think he's ever thought of trading Blake Wheeler, even though you have people saying trying to get those contracts off the books. I don't think he's ever thought of trading Mark Shifley. I don't think he's ever thought of trading Kyle Connor. I thought he, I think he's maybe thought of trading Nick Ehlers, but only if he got a really, really, really significant player in return. The vast majority of players who would net something for the Winnipeg Jets I think are thought of as untouchables by the general manager and we go back to even Patrick Laine I think that there was you know I think there was issues not only with Patrick Laine but how he was perceived by his teammates how he was perceived in the room his his relationships with people within the organization that's why he ended up moving uh, and also because that player that they were kind of looking for you know that what they were missing that gritty angle that drive to the net angle that the Jets had been missing was out there It was almost too perfect to be true really if you look at it in retrospect but this is not a, a general manager who likes to go and take talent and send it down the road I think there's a real feeling within Winnipeg that when they scout guys and they develop guys and they you know we've heard about the Winnipeg Jets loyalty and the true north loyalty I think that extends to players and I think think when they take the time to scout guys, draft guys, develop guys, get them in the organization and see them succeeding, I think it's very, very hard for this organization to give up on those players and let those players go.
1: Sean Reynolds with us. Kenny and Rennie are back at it tomorrow after the game in Arizona. Hey, uh, Ren, before we go, and thanks again for coming. This was a great conversation. Now uh, Fill people in on the, uh, the Sean's headband and the Wake Up t-shirts you guys <laughs> dropped last night.
3: Yeah, we, uh, you know, just like you guys and the great merch you're wearing right now, we've been trying to get some merch up because, you know, I'll say this, the one thing I love about, you know, your audience, our audience, which I think has a lot of crossover, the Illegal Curve audience, you know, they've been really, really anxious to support us, right? And I'm sure that you feel that and I'm sure that your sponsors feel that. Uh, And so we're really lucky here in Winnipeg to have a group who not only tune in and pay attention and engage with us and take part in what we do, uh, but we've constantly got people kind of pushing us and asking us for merch. And so we've been trying to get that off the ground. You've gone through the process. For us, it's, it's not easy. Um, we were trying to do it on our own. And then it gets tough. How many t-shirts do you order? How many extra larges, double extra larges, all that kind of stuff. That's not my business. I tried doing it. I don't know how to do it. I couldn't figure it out. So we partnered with Sportsnet, who uh, I think right now there's Steve Dangle has stuff on that. Uh, on the at the Sportsnet shop, and now Kenny and Rennie have stuff at the Sportsnet shop. So you can go to the Sportsnet shop and buy Kenny and Rennie uh, apparel. One is, uh, if you watch our show, there's the the good the good joke about. Me forgetting to leave to take off my headband one show, and now it's become part of the show. Sean's headband and Kenny, you know, when he gets frustrated with someone, he'll yell at them to wake up. And that's kind of become a tagline on the show. Uh, So there's a wake up Kenny and Rennie shirt for that, you know, signifies Ken. And there's a uh, uh, Sean's headband shirt with uh, uh, the Kenny and Rennie logo in the back between the shoulder blades. Good stuff. We made sure we, you know, we didn't get the boxy kind of low-end shirts. We wanted to make sure that they were nicer, high-end shirts. We said that was a must when we did this. So uh, if you want to support some of your local podcasts, and if you've been getting a kick out of the Kenny and Rennie show and would like to show us some support, that would be a great way to do it. We'd appreciate Make sure that. to check out the program
1: tomorrow as well. They'll take over. Uh, what time are you guys going to probably get on? About 11.30 or so tomorrow?
3: Well, what is it? We're about games. 8 o'clock if, game? If a game starts at 7, we're on at 10.45. So it should be around eleven for 11.30, 11.45 we'll be on. Well, of course, subscribe to the
1: channel on YouTube. And if you miss it because you went to bed early, it will be there for you waiting in the morning. Rennie, Happy New Year. Thanks for doing this, pal. Anytime, Huss. It was a pleasure to be on. Good stuff. There is Sean Reynolds. Uh, great feedback for Sean. Oh, I see Energy Twenty Twenty Ones here is all fired up about the shirts. Energy's in a much better mood than yesterday when he was firing Dave Lowry after seven periods into his <laughs> interim coach term with the Winnipeg Jets. Great to see you, Energy as well as everyone with us in the chat. Um, hey, I, I do have to speaking of our sponsors, give a big shout out and cheers to all of you for twenty twenty two. With uh, the great taste of Little Brown Jug, of course. Winnipeg made just celebrated five years last December. And uh, to do that, they fired up the new Brute IPA, uh, the champagne like beer, celebrating five years of Little Brown Jug. They've got amazing five year tulip glasses as well over at the brewery, not to mention some amazing, amazing merchandise. Speaking of merch, including toques, flannel, shirts, and much more. Find out more online, littlebrownjug.ca. And if you're staying home these days and uh, you need the best beer around from Winnipeg, littlebrownjug.ca will deliver it to you. And, of course, you can always pop by and see them on William Avenue at the Tap Room. Um, Our friends at Princess Auto are ready for 2022. Hopefully, we'll be having more Princess Auto curling reports coming up. Not sure what's happening with the game. Scotties are scheduled end the month, uh, next month in Ontario. Um, major lockdown going on there right now, so we'll find out what that means. Um, but we will be following curling all year long with the great support of Princess Auto, who supports curling from coast to coast in Canada, as well as being proud sponsors of Jens Jones' team of course will be representing Canada at the Olympics. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto, two local locations. Visit them in store or check them out online at princessauto.ca. And a big shout out to our friends at Boston Pizza as well. This is great ordering time. Um, No one wants to go out right now, although it's a bit nicer today than it's been the last little while. Um, But if you are planning on staying home, you can get the great taste of Boston pizza delivered right to you. Call your local BP for those gourmet pizzas, Boston wings, pasta dishes, and so much more. Or you can hit them up online, peruse the menu, and order at bostonpizza.com. We do have a Monday nighter tonight, which we'll get to um, with the Cool Bet lines at the end of the program. Um, But a quick pivot from all this Jets talk. Great story heading into 2022. Uh, A good friend of the program, Amber Balkin, um, joined me a little earlier just before we went on the air to uh, fill us in on a very exciting next chapter of her racing career in NASCAR. Here's a little bit of our conversation with Amber Balkin from earlier today.
4: Amber, Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year. I'm doing great. Super excited for 2022. How about you guys?
1: well you know what same thing i mean i think we're all kind of happy to put 2021 in the rear view and hopefully be on to better things for everyone involved especially with what's going on here north of the border but listen just before we get into 2022 it's been a little while since we've uh, had you on the program Fill us in how did 2021 go for you
4: yeah so i think the last time i was on the program might have been 2020 when i had uh, my really bad crash and ended up in a hospital thankfully since then things have been on the up and uh, last year, I competed in NASCAR's development program, the BMR Drivers Academy, and did three ARCA West races with Bill McAnally Racing. So got a lot of seat time, was in the, was in the seat about uh, every second weekend had 20 races. It had been a while since I'd been in the car that, that much again. So it felt great to get to really develop my skills and, and um, work towards something bigger.
1: Well, and speaking of working towards something bigger, I mean, we figured you'd be it was perfect to have you on right at the beginning of 2022 because um, you've got some pretty exciting news to announce on where you'll be driving this year and how it's going to all happen. Now, fill us in on what is next for Amber Balkan on the track.
4: Yeah, well, I'm really excited to announce that in 2022, I'll be racing in NASCAR's National Arkham Menard Series for Jones racing, Icon Direct returning as my primary sponsor. So I'll be racing... All 20 races all over the U.S. going for the championship at a national level. This is something I am dreams about. So i really excited to get to race at tracks like Daytona, Talladega, Bristol. Our first race is the day before the Daytona 500 at Daytona International.
1: You know, Amber, if you could, fill our listeners in on... Um, you know, just how significant this is for you. I mean, uh, you know, you're kind of working your way up, obviously, with the dream of being on the uh, on the big NASCAR Cup circuit. But um, this is a real significant move up and a great opportunity, I'd imagine.
4: It is. Yeah, this is a huge jump. The biggest track I've been on previous to this year was half mile and Daytona International Speedway is two and a half miles. You now we're going over 300 kilometers an hour drafting inches apart from each other. So my test is in a couple of weeks and we'll be learning the draft and getting to feel the speed. So I'm super excited about that and um, just just, you know, living my dream now. This is what I've worked towards the last eight years is racing in the Arkman Art Series and to race at a national level. Um, it's just, it's really, really exciting. I'm I'm really grateful for my sponsors for helping me achieve this.
1: Well, and you mentioned, I mean, Daytona, I mean, even for the most casual of motorsports fans, they know all about the Daytona 500. And from what I understand, your first race on the new series is going to be at the famous Daytona Speedway the day before the Daytona 500. Is that right?
4: Yeah, that's correct. So we're going to go and try to make history and become the first female to win an Arca Series race at Daytona. That's our goal.
1: Uh, and you'll also get a chance, I mean, pretty much, I mean, if you ever played the video game or just flip on the on the tube to ch- catch NASCAR races throughout the year, I mean, this uh, new circuit that you're on gives you the opportunity to race against top competition at all the biggest tracks in North America.
4: Absolutely. Now racing at a national level, I'll be racing against all of the best drivers in North America. I mean, uh, more than North America, we got Um, drivers, honestly, from all over. So the competition's going to be stiff, but it's going to make me a better driver, and I'm just really excited to be at this level now, racing at these legendary tracks that, you know, I've watched on TV for years. Uh,
1: Amber, um, you you mentioned a sponsor. I mean, uh, you know, money is such a big part of this sport. Um, How important is it to have the support that you're getting from your sponsors, including sponsors right here from your home province of Manitoba?
4: It's everything. I cannot do this without sponsors. So to have Icon Direct come on board from Winkler Manitoba and then Glenn McLeod and Sons, this is their eighth year of sponsoring me. So um, two Manitoba companies sponsoring a Manitoba girl on the big stages of Daytona. I'm just so excited and I really hope to make Canada proud
1: amber you know you mentioned being a female racer i mean um you know certainly you're the vast minority out there i mean uh, how have things gone for you over the last couple of years just as a woman and um have there been unique challenges or unique opportunities because of it
4: well this is my 20th year of racing it sounds crazy to say that out loud but huh. um i've only ever known being a female in the sport you know i grew up with a bunch of boy cousins my dad raced my grandfather raced my uncle's race and i just wanted to race too and um when you put that helmet on the the car doesn't know if you're a girl or a boy it it doesn't know gender it just knows you're a driver and um that's what i think of myself as as a driver and i want to go out there and win and be as competitive just as much as anyone else
1: and and i imagined i mean you know from our chats beforehand i mean you've uh, had great experiences in the sport and worked out but uh, I would imagine that, um, you know, certainly as you continue to progress further, um, everyone's accepted you as uh, as maybe this is a bad term, but one of the guys.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think there is always a few people who might not love females in the sport, but for the most part, uh, the, the support's there. And I think when people know how hard I've worked to get there and also, you know, see my abilities on the track, that's when the respect is is starting to come. And, it, and that's, when it's earned. So I'm just going to do my best to, you know, be the best race car driver I can be and, and go out there and leave it all on the table so that, you know, we can win a race and just be as competitive as we can be. That's really what it's about.
1: It does also provide you a pretty unique opportunity to be a role model for young girls that love the sport and are getting into it. I mean, I certainly have seen some things on your social media over the years with the interactions with fans. But um, what's it been like that, you know, maybe after a track or meeting fans and seeing young girls that look look up to you as sort of their dream in 20 years from now?
4: Yeah, it's what makes my job so fun and, and so awesome is that I do get to, you know, be an influence to other females that want to enter the sport or, or that are in the sport, you know, want to move up and need some advice and need a mentor to kind of help guide them. So um, I'm very active on social media, as you said, and I'm always willing to answer any questions um, that, that I can help. This is a tough industry to be in, whether you're a male or female. And um, I just want to be that, that resource for people that, you know, if you have any questions they feel comfortable reaching out to me
1: amber balkan is our guest uh you can check out uh, more of her social media as well as uh everything happening with her career at amberbalkinracing.com. um so amber you've got this great news you're moving to the new circuit you're racing before daytona fill us in on what the next month is like for you now that uh, you've got this announcement uh, what will you be doing before the first big race of the season
4: So I'm actually driving to North Carolina right now. This week, we'll work on getting fitted in the car, get my seat poured, make sure my safety safety equipment's up to date, get a new helmet, new race suit. Got quite a few interviews lined up. And um, I also have some speaking engagements and trade shows for my sponsors. So, you know, the work doesn't stop on the racetrack. There's a lot of stuff we do as drivers outside the track for our sponsors. and, And trade shows are one of those things. So I have a really busy month coming up. Um, excited for it all. Really excited to get to the track and, and get with this new team and, and see what kind of results we can put on the track.
1: Hey, what sort of an opportunity will you get to race and practice at a place like Daytona before the first race of the season?
4: So usually we don't really get practice in racing, but because Daytona is such a big and fast track and um, drafting is a very important skill set that the drivers need for the race, we actually have a two-day test in January, so January 14th and 15th. I'll be at Daytona with my crew um, practicing, being in the draft and and feeling the speeds and um, doing the pit stops and everything to get us prepared for the big race on February 19th.
1: Now, Amber, uh, so February 19th is the first one. How long will the season go? Would you say it was 20 races?
4: Yeah, 20 races through February through October. So it's quite a long racing season. Um, And, yeah, we we start at Daytona, then we go to Phoenix, Talladega, and we're really kind of all over the map.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Amber, this has been great to have you back on the program, and, uh, man, especially to share such exciting news about your burgeoning career on the track. Fill people in on where they can find you on social media as well as on the internet to follow you, your team, and Amber Balkan Racing
4: yeah definitely you can follow me on instagram twitter at amber balkan 10 facebook is amber balkan racing and my website's amber balkan and uh my schedule is on my website if you go under events you can see the schedule uh what tv network it'll be on what time it's airing and the first race is february 19th at 1 30 p.m eastern on fox
1: Hey, the entire city and province will be cheering for you, Amber. Thanks for doing this. All the best in 2022 on the new circuit. And we'll have to get you back on, hopefully talking about some great performances on the track later on in 2022.
4: Thank you so much for having me. And thank you all Winnipeg for all your support. I really appreciate the local support. And thanks again to Icon Direct for making this possible. If you need RV parts, make sure you go to icondirect.com.
1: All right, great to catch up with Amber Balkan. We'll have Amber on during the season as well, but uh, very exciting. Starting it off at Daytona. Um, uh, that's a that's a young woman that's um doing some trailblazing in the motorsports world. And uh, it was great to have her on today with the uh, big announcement of uh, the move to uh to the new series. Um hey, big happy new year to Nick and Nikki. Um they have been with us, and of course, the Nick and Nikki DQ group since day one. And I know it's a little chilly outside, but heck, it's the Slurpee capital of the world. And <clears throat> we're always good for a blizzard, even if it's cold outside. But there's so much more at Dairy Queen than just the blizzards. Amazing hamburgers, including that new Steakhouse burger, chicken fingers, fries, nuggets. Um, you can get it all. And you can also get it on Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats for you folks out in St. Vital, as the St. Anne's location. closed for a week over Christmas, but uh, it's back up and running. and. uh be there for you if you don't want to leave the house of course four locations in the city um well and outside dq niverville dq northgate dq polo park and dq st anne's and you can follow them on instagram at dq manitoba and order your cakes for pickup as well through the instagram account big shout out to nick and nikki and thanks to them and a happy new year um and of course our gang over at Canadian Club. I know it was a little bit of a different New Year's this year, but hopefully you had a chance to cheers. Well wishes to some friends with the a great taste of the official Whiskey of the Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club. do believe, speaking of a Canadian club, um, great deals right now at Liquor Marts with bonus air miles on CC purchases. And I do believe there are still limited quantities of those Bomber 2021 limited edition championship glasses, which you can get with the purchase of Jim Beam at select Liquor Mart locations. If you are looking for that, you might want to give your local one a call first to see if they've got that Jim Beam promo running. Of course, you can pick up Canadian Club, Jim Beam, and all the Beam Suntory products at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Um, And we will get to the Cool Bet lines. May as well do this right now. Only one game in the National Hockey League tonight. The Edmonton Oilers. Struggling right now, uh, taking on the New York Rangers. The uh, Oilers, interestingly enough, a slight favorite in this game on the road up against the Rangers, who are even money at home. Um, I was talking with my pal Dustin Nielsen in Edmonton. He was off today, he's back at work tomorrow. And Oilers' Twitter right now is an absolute dumpster fire. Dave Tippett went from the toast of the town when they were 16 and five to, uh, The hottest of hot seats, at least amongst the fans. You do wonder how things will go. I mean, they had that great start to the season. They've been in free fall for the better part of the last month. And you do wonder if at some point Ken Holland does something to uh, try to stop the bleeding right now and not have another lost season for the Edmonton Oilers. It's just too much talent on that team uh, to see the results that have been happening lately. And we do, of course, have a Monday nighter. Um, This line took a big, big turn yesterday, not because of anything that's happened with the Browns and the Steelers, but because of the Bengals' big win over the Chiefs yesterday. The Bengals clinched the AFC North, and with that, eliminate the Cleveland Browns. So the Browns were three-point favorites going into the weekend. Now they're two-and-a-half-point underdogs with people sort of thinking this could be Ben Roethlisberger's last game at Heinz Field, and uh, the disappointed Brown squad with nothing to play for might not maybe give it the way that they would have if their season was on the line. Um, so yeah, minus two and a half for the Steelers. Uh, you can get plus money, plus 104 with the Browns and get two and a half points. And the money line total for the game is uh, Browns plus 128, Steelers minus 139. Of course, if you haven't bet at Cool Bet before, head on over there, use the promo code WST. They'll double your first bonus up to $200. Use the promo code WST. All right, let's get Remus back in here because, uh, man, it's been a busy show. Hard to believe, but uh, we're already just about done. Show number one of 2022. And thanks to everyone that joined us today. we Weren't too sure how many people would have known we would have been on today, uh, but a lot of people off and making uh, their afternoon joining us as well. Mm-hmm. And obviously, shout out to everyone on the podcast. Uh, really cool stuff from Amber Balkin with her announcement, Remus. But uh, some great Jets talk to get things going with the hammer. And of course, always fun to
2: have Rennie join the show. Yeah, great show today. Um... So what Leighton Janice wrote in chat, uh, surprise you guys are on, on a holiday in Lou Monday. I was like, it's a holiday. I didn't, I didn't know that. We were just like, it's Monday. The Jets played last night. We're doing a show. Yeah,
3: we don't, we don't get Lou
1: days here. Yeah. I mean, at some point there'll be a long weekend or two that we'll take off, but there was two mm-hmm. things that made us do the show. First of all, we finally had a damn hockey game to talk about. Yes. I think everyone was excited to, uh, to get back at it. And the other thing is, is that there's nothing else going on right now. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing to mm-hmm. do. So, uh, I uh, figured many of you were in the same boat as us, so we may as well have gotten to it. Not to mention, coming out of the weekend, so many things to uh, to talk about. Just a quick NFL note. Um, you know, what's happened, we'll probably get more into the landscape of the National Football League tomorrow, later on in the program, as we head into the final week of the regular season. Uh, but the Bengals, for one, we mentioned about the teams that were eliminated due to their win yesterday. Huge win for the Raiders, Uh, And, you know, with so many teams that were still in the mix on both sides, not a lot still to be determined. But we do know that we're essentially going to get an extra playoff game because the Chargers and the Raiders are playing on Sunday. That game has been flexed to the Sunday nighter. And that essentially is a playoff game, a win and in either the Raiders or the Chargers, the divisional rivals will get in. Um, And if things hold as they are right now with the Chiefs being in the two seed, the winner of that game we'll set up another divisional matchup at Arrowhead Stadium in week 1 of the playoffs. Um as far as the uh N- the NFC goes, um a number of teams eliminated yesterday including the Minnesota Vikings. The Niners are at 9 and 7 in the 6 seed. The Eagles are at 9 and 7. And the Eagles have clinched the playoffs. The only team that can be eliminated is the Niners if they lose and if the Saints win next week. So uh, not as much drama that I thought might be there for Mm -hmm. us going into this final extra week of the season. But we will have that great game between the uh, Chargers and the
2: Raiders on Sunday night next week. Um, Remo, did you catch the Winter Classic on the the, uh, weekend? I was fine. I was slipping back and forth on Saturday between Leafs, Sens, um, which had no fans. In the building and then the winter classic, which Wasn't that something? which probably should have had no fans based on how cold it was. But these Minnesota fans, absolutely insane. I think it was colder than minus 20 Celsius. I, I can't believe they even played. I joked about the bomber West final being inhumane conditions. I mean, no wonder there were so many goals. If you're a goalie and you're just standing still, like, how do you how do you get warm and like able to make a quick reaction. Imagine being the save. backup
1: goalie, just sitting there, yeah. not
2: playing. I know they have like good heater technology, but I was blown away by the enthusiasm of the Minnesota fans. The Winter Classic, I think it's a great event. January first, it's very cool to watch. I like you know Target Field. Uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of us in chat uh, have been there before, and they see some beautiful former, ballpark, some former Twins legends uh, in the house as well. I saw, like, former closer Glenn Perkins got a chance to, like, go, go for a skate. Uh, Justin Morneau and Joe Maurer were there. Um, pretty cool. Jordan Kyrou, what a period for him. You know, four points. Uh, cool spectacle uh, at the Winter Classic. I enjoyed that on, uh, on Saturday. So um, that was good. We didn't talk about Antonio Brown as Hold well. Hold on a sec. We will get to get, it. Rob before Mahoney. we get to that.
1: Yeah, Rob Mahoney mentioned Binghamton looked ridiculous without a toque. An embarrassment to Canada. <laughs> I joked when someone pointed that out, well, it's way easier to uh, blatantly throw your helmet off for a delay of game penalty if you don't have a tuk on. I was hoping Bennington was going to get lit up on the, on the big stage. Um, but he played well enough to win um, and an entertaining game. I mean, lots of goals. I mean, the scene was awesome. I mean, shout out to all the fans that braved the conditions. Minnesota really is the state of hockey. They proved it on the weekend yes. with 40,000 showing up for that game.
2: It's kind of crazy that they've been doing these games for a while now, and Minnesota hadn't got uh, an uh, outdoor game. Yeah. I guess because Target Field is kind of newer-ish. And maybe they didn't want to do it in the stadium. I I don't know, but it, it is kind of... talked
1: about doing one at the University of Minnesota Stadium at one mm-hmm. point before. But um, but anyways, it went off as well yesterday. And that'll uh, be a couple more outdoor games a little later on this season. Um, yeah, the, New the Year's Tampa. Day,
2: NHL. Yeah, what is it? Tampa, Nashville? Yeah, well, it snowed in Nashville uh, this weekend. I saw pictures. So there could be some yeah. snow for... For that game, but um, we'll get to the jerseys of that one later. I thought also the jerseys in that Minnesota game were were classic. I thought Minnesota's was very good. I think some people ripped it online. I liked them. And the St. The Louis Blues I mean, ones were unreal. They, they have a cl- a classic one uh, jersey as well. So um, Dan
1: Jets fan, Dan Jets fan, asking, was it colder for the Heritage Classic in Regina? No, no, it wasn't. I mean, it was chilly. I mean, it was snowing a lot in that game too. I An mean, amazing, amazing scenario or uh, atmosphere for that game. Uh, but it wasn't as cold as it was in in minnesota they basically were dealing with what we've been dealing with for the last little while maybe not quite as extreme but pretty damn close um all right we got to talk about antonio brown to finish this off what a circus this guy i mean it's one thing after another ream but uh if that was his final act in the national football league to rip his jersey off, take his equipment off, throw his shirt into the stands, and then jog through the end zone, waving to fans with the peace sign. Um, pretty wild way to go out. Um, and if you're going to tell me that one player in the NFL did that, the first guy I would think of would be A.B.
2: Uh, bizarre scene. I mean, that's not really something that you see in uh, pro sports. I guess they Bruce Arians asked him to go in and... He said no, I think, right? And, or they took him out and he was mad. I think we're, the details on it are kind of, kind of hazy, but we do know that, yeah, he just took himself out, took his jersey off, threw it into the crowd, took an Uber home. Um, I mean, screwing, first of all, screwing himself, he was owed a lot of bonuses. He hit certain, uh, certain cash, but, you know, certain uh, milestones. I think he could have earned up to a million dollars in bonuses for, like receptions and all that's nothing
1: compared to the 30 million he screwed himself out of with the raiders so i mean listen antonio brown has has issues has major issues i'll say one thing you know bruce arians didn't want to talk about it but i will give you all know my feelings on tom brady uh i'll give brady a lot of credit yesterday i think you know he put a lot of his name on the line to get antonio brown there um, and I was sort of expected to see a pissed off Tom Brady afterwards. It was far from it. I mean, he showed a ton of empathy for someone that, you know, obviously has has some problems that is preventing him from earning a living, still is one of the most talented receivers in the game, can't manage to stick with the team and blowing, you know, an unbelievable opportunity uh, to be part of a team heading to the playoffs that has sights on another Super Bowl championship. So I took a lot from what Brady had to say um in that i was sort of expecting one thing was surprised at the empathy he showed but you know thinking about it now i think it was important that being said it was a ridiculous spectacle and something that i don't think anyone could have imagined um going forward but uh whether that's the last we hear of ab in the national football league or whether he's fighting one of the paul brothers later on this year or what um whenever ab does things um it certainly gets headlines and uh that was a show-stopping way to end his Bucks career yesterday
2: on the sidelines. Big comeback win
1: by the Buccaneers, who were pushed to the limit by the New York Jets
2: of all teams. But yeah, well, and uh, they're missing Fournette. They're missing Godwin. Mike Evans came back, and who are th- who's this guy Cyril? Who caught the game-winning touchdown from Tom Brady? You did. You thought he like you're like okay, this is crazy. The Jets are going to upset the Bucks, and he's got these no-name receivers, and he comes back with what, like forty seconds. To throw the game-winning drive with a long touchdown to win. I mean, Tom Brady, he is absolutely incredible, and I agree. I mean, very um, respectful and um, well thought-out words about Antonio Brown. Hopefully, he does um, does get some help. They gave him a lot of chances, but uh, I mean, after the game, Bruce Aarons, like, yeah, he's not. He's not on the yeah. team anymore. And I mean, we listen, move, we move Antonio
1: on. Brown was afforded so many more chances than an average regular person would get, even in a regular NFL player. I mean, most teams would not even consider touching him after the way things went south in Oakland. But um, you know, he got that opportunity. It ended very poorly and in a little bit of an ugly fashion. Um, but as I said, kudos to Brady for uh, you know, showing some empathy for what obviously is a you know a pretty serious personal situation with antonio brown that's gonna cost him a lot of money for Fecto, Huss, did you bet a b to get over his mark but he didn't he questioned some ulterior motives no i didn't but i think there were a lot of people on brown first of all n- never mind the contract bonuses and whatnot just the fact that his remus just laid out i mean they are down so many receivers chris godwin's out for the year evans has been nicked up um, you know, you've got Rob Gronkowski, but he's been sort of here and there. I mean, at this point in his career, they needed Antonio Brown, and it's a big, big blow to the Bucs going into the playoffs.
2: Man, he was like huge chalk in and uh, daily fantasy. Like everyone had him on DraftKings. Like, okay, they're missing receivers. They're you know team totals like thirty. Playing the Jets, he needs these bonuses. You know the reason why he got suspended Huss, is because he wouldn't pay the guy like ten thousand dollars for the fake VAX card. You can't pay, and so he got outed. I mean, if he would have just paid the ten thousand, people are saying, well, he couldn't pay the ten thousand because he's he's broke or something. So there's a lot of speculation that he does need need the money. Um, yeah, Listen, he's he's no
1: financial on. planner. He's no financial planner. I mean, there's been a number of stories of him screwing people out that have done work for him before. I mean, um, a lot of ugliness. Anyways, the Bucks are rinsing their hands mm. of Antonio Brown, and I think it's kind of unlikely that we'll ever see him in the NFL again. People think he might be going to the CFL. <laughs> no freaking way. Um, although, I guess maybe if he was that desperate for money, he would. But um, I think as after we've seen the way things end uh, in all of his previous teams. Might be better off, despite the uh, all-world talent of Antonio Brown to uh, fill that roster spot with somebody else. Anyways, great show to kick off 2022 today, everyone. Thanks for being with us. Shout out to everyone in chat. Great crew today to get the uh, year going. Uh, A huge thanks to all of our sponsors, including the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Cool Bet Canada, Canadian Club Whiskey, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, culligan water vita health and f apparel uh we got another game tomorrow and be ready tuesday and thursday before another week off of no games uh, so i'm looking forward to it revenge for the jets they'll be heading to the desert to take on the coyotes we will be all over it tomorrow as well as setting up that final week in the national football league uh, maybe checking in on the CFL offseason as well as some players start to get signed. It'll all be coming up tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay warm, stay safe. Thanks for being with us. One final time. Happy new year. We'll see you tomorrow on Winnipeg sports talk daily. Have a great one, everyone. Oh my God. Oh! Shut it down.
3: Let's go. Home! Thanks
4: for tuning in to Winnipeg sports talk
0: daily.